1: At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into a very special 100th episode of Bandwagon Nerds. That's right, 100 basically weekends weeks in a row. I, I don't know that we've ever missed a week. Gentlemen, no, I'm seeing head shakes. Yeah, nope. awesome for us. I'm so thrilled to be here of course you are listening to bandwagon nerds on the chairshot radio network part of the chairshot.com and we have a full 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 bandwagon with you today we have not one not two but three guests appearing on the show and we are starting off big time with the kingpin of the chairshot radio network and the chairshot.com the man himself my best friend one, Mr. Greg DeMarco. That's it's right. Oh.
3: Yep. Y'all know good and damn well no boss gets claps. Come on now. If I get booed, <laughs> Greg got to get booed. And
2: of course, you are in the live studio audience letting you know exactly how they feel about you, Mr. Ray Cash. Of course, Oyer, we have the full bandwagon here. You've heard. The Reverend Ray Cash, lawyer David Ungar is here as well as is the live studio audience, PC Tunny. Craig, welcome to the bandwagon though. We're gonna start with you. How you doing, man?
4: I uh why would I get booze like Ray? I mean, come on, like i it, it's it's I'm the head of the table
3: of the chair shot, right? Like acknowledge me. I mean, come on. You know how works. I, don't, I don't, I don't want to be alone, and you're the closest to me in the middle. So I figured <laughs> two man power trip. I can take. I, I can do that. Um,
4: as Patrick will tell you, I'm fine with the booze. I I would rather get booed than than get cheered in life in general. So if everybody loves I? you, you're you're not. If everybody loves you, you're doing something wrong. You're not trying hard enough. So that's uh, that's what I look at. But thank you for having me on. This is. I don't want to talk politically about the show just yet. I'm sure I'll do that later, but to be a part of the hundredth episode and what it means to get to a hundred episodes is a big deal. And I'm excited to to be here and to celebrate that with you guys. Cause it's your, it's your accomplishments, not my accomplishment whatsoever, but for you guys to get to a hundred episodes is awesome. And we'll talk about that more later, I'm sure. But yeah, very, very excited to be here and very happy for you guys.
2: Thank you. And we are happy to have you, Greg, uh, Mr. Tunney, Mr. Ungar, I, how how's it going dave we'll start with you how you how you doing today
1: doing pretty well man i just for the for the record you know since i am the lawyer i do want to say greg has been on the show before so we're welcoming him sure. back it's been probably 95 episodes since then but that's all right yeah, yeah. i know it's all good how's it
4: this is the if, first you're, if you're trying you're to be a bit on the show If you want to be if you want to be super specific you guys also did miss one week in the beginning but that's okay did we one week, it was For like sure. week four or five. It was just some crazy scheduling snafu you guys had to miss. But still, I mean, yeah, I've missed like what two of the last five. So yeah, trust me, I, I get it. Like to only miss one week in 100 episodes is nothing compared to your other accomplishments. So
2: it's true. Life does get in the way sometimes. Tony, how are how do your how are your Badgers feeling after their get right game against the University of Illinois yesterday, where we. Gained 93 yards of total offense.
5: I, Patrick, don't take this the wrong way, but no one around here really give a shit what happened yesterday. Um, the Badgers suck this year. The Badgers also suck this year. So yeah,
2: I mean, you got a you're quarterback like, problem. You're but one, you're one step
5: a- closer to getting you're one step closer to getting an actual head football coach for your colleges, universities. So there you go.
2: (laughs) Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Okay. So as I mentioned, we have multiple guests on the show today. Greg is going to join us for the first segment of the show where he has already fully admitted. He has not watched any of the programs that we're going to cover today. So it'll be fun to hear his input. Um, And we needed somebody to replace PC Tunney's role on not watching the shows as it is. He did catch up with doom patrol. So I'm very excited to, to talk about that. For the second segment of the show, we're going to have an old friend come back. Now, he came back not too long ago uh, for one of my absences, oh, one of the many times I was out during August, I think, things were kind of crazy busy for me, and that is the scientist, DPP, one of our co-hosts for a, for a long while, uh, went off to do a Winner's U uh, for a little bit and do his own thing, and you know, and his schedule, just when we were recording, couldn't quite work out, so I'm very excited to have him back. Uh, to talk some some New York Comic Con trailer park, and, and a few news bits before we get into the main event, uh, which will be uh, an interview that Dave and I did uh, with Omar Spahi, uh, content creator, young up and coming content creator who has literally done it all in the nerdosphere. He has been an author of comics, he executive produced. A, a movie on netflix that was the top movie on netflix for uh for a period of time with both the amell brothers he has done a lot of writing for animated projects including big 10 or ben 10 not big 10 ben 10 and the most recent iteration of the sonic the hedgehog cartoon and so that'll that'll be our our main event to wrap up the end of this show and uh yeah just a just a full boat exciting 100th episode i'm very very proud of it and yeah i'm uh, and I'm gonna start today by throwing a curveball and going against the uh the rundown i'm gonna do a little flipsy-doo dunkaroo and switch doom patrol with what if and so in order to do that we need to go to dave for a minute because i still haven't gotten the music yet and let Dave cue up some doom patrol music for us oh wait Tony, are you are, are you are you sad? Are you jealous? You can you can play the music. Do you want to play the music? No, I didn't know which one you wanted. It's you said so you're doing
5: you're doing Marvel first. I thought you said.
2: No, we're doing Doom Patrol first. That's well, why we're switching. To see have. if you'd write the rundown. Keeping you guessing, Tony. Keeping you guessing. I oh man, this is off to a great auspicious beginning in front of the boss. You guys, good job.
1: Um, professionalism anyway, at its finest.
2: Professionalism at its finest. Dave, why don't you bail us out and cue up some Doom Patrol music, okay? Excellent. Thank you very much Dave for bailing us out. Gentlemen, I'm going to sum up Doom Patrol episode 5. The way you can probably sum up most of the Doom Patrol episodes, everybody makes a bad life choice at the end of the episode. We got Rita Farr going back in time apparently. We've got we've got Cliff stuffing his head full of internet drugs to help against what Parkinson's disease. Uh I don't even know what's up with Cyborg these days. Everybody's making bad decisions. And we, we, Madame Rouge is not all, I think she knows, I, out, coming out of this episode, I think she remembers more than she's letting on. Uh, I think that uh, we, we got introduced to a new villain today, what did she call herself? The Fog. I have no idea what she did um, to Crazy Jane, but it can't be good. Not Nothing's going right. Tunny, start with you. Now that you've caught up on the show, your reactions to episode five of Doom Patrol.
5: I, I just first want to say, I'm so glad I'm caught up. And and it was such a, it's such a hard show to watch back to back. So that's why I couldn't right. get caught up right away. But yeah, episode five. Um Great. I mean, I, I think you're going to see a lot more with the sisterhood of Dada moving forward, considering you see like, uh, who was it? Uh, Vic ends up seeing the mask again that the guy was making for him. Right. And things of that nature. I, I love the fog. I love when they went into the fog and all the different people they seen. It's crazy that um, uh bandage guy. I, I'm fucking horrible with names. Larry. Who's the bandage? Larry, Larry brought back his buddy from the. Yeah. He brought his buddy back out of the fog too, which was crazy. So we have got that sun. to
3: deal with now. That's a sign,
5: moving bro. forward. Thanks Ray. I knew that. <laughs>
3: You said his, his, I mean, you said his buddy. His buddy There's his a
5: buddy. difference, your buddy That's and what? your son. I said, "All right, whatever." Anyway, so I'm just excited to be caught up. I think it's going to be interesting moving forward. Yeah, the the funny thing is, is with Jane and Kay, all that stuff going on is really interesting this year to me. So I don't know how this is all going to come back together. You imagine Niles will still be involved in this moving forward as well, even though he's been eaten by the zombies, to turn them back. But you you can't count him out.
1: That's right, Dave. Your thoughts. Oh man, this episode was just crazy. My wife and I were watching it like half of the, most of the time, like, what the hell is going on? Um, it's, it's, it's wild. The sisterhood of the Dada. And, and what is the, the, the guy who cyborg interacts with a lot, who's half man, half bicycle? Is that like the, the, the guy, the creature from the Geico commercials, right? The half, half man, Both. half motorcycle. Um, uh, Botor, Botor. Yeah. It's it, that relationship there because that was the most powerful part of the episode was a conversation between those two and, and kind of him telling cyborg, you don't know what discrimination is. And cyborg thinking that he does basically because he's black and he's part machine. And just the interaction between those two was fascinating. Um, Yeah. How did, <laughs> how does Paul end up in the fog? Why can he not remember anything? The, the, I don't know what was going on with Kay and, and, and the character of the fog other than, you know, hey, I'm going to the easiest way to a kid's heart is through their stomach. Give them sweets, that sort of thing. But it, it's, all
2: it's ice cream. Give me all of the ice, all cream. the ice
1: cream. But yeah, like you're saying, Pat, at the end, Rita makes and, and the first half of season three has really been Rita centric. I think it's a lot about her story and she's obviously going back in time to some place. We're not sure when, although the previews for the next episode give you a little bit of a hint. But, yeah, I'm sure she's making a a, a very bad decision here. Well, Craig, what did you well, think today, about
2: Sisterhood of Dada?
4: I was blown away when I saw the phrase Sisterhood of Dada. Like, what the hell is even that supposed to be? Uh, interesting – I'm, I'm going to derail things and you ask me a question. Why is every episode titled Something Patrol? Like, isn't that a little overkill?
2: Like, it's the like, title of oh, every episode
4: is Something Patrol. Even an episode called Doom Patrol Patrol. Like – Right. Like, it's it's, it's like,
5: mean, Brent, it's
4: just, why? Why? The one where, Yeah. The one where we lacked creativity. I know. I just don't understand. Um, but it's, it's funny when you come in and, you know, three seasons and five episodes into a show or two seasons and five episodes into a show and just, just researching it in general. It's like, I, I think honestly, as, as you know, an outsider, it almost makes you not want to try. Like you read so much and you, and you're just like, I'm light years behind where anybody could be on a topic like this. How in the world could you ever get caught up? So I praise Tony for getting caught up as, as much as he had to do. But man, when you go into something, you know, two, two and a half seasons in, or however, I don't know how many episodes a season supposed to be, but it's insane. But looking at, at some of the things on there, like it's just, it's gotta be an intricate model that, that you guys, and I've heard, you know, I know about season three from listening to you guys, but that's it. Um, yeah it's definitely definitely mind blowing just to just to read and see the different things about it, including like and the first thing I saw was Sisterhood of Dada and I was just like what is is that any relation to any traveling pants? I don't even know, but
3: that's where I am all right, all right Ray, get in there three the three quick things that come my mind about this episode one, anybody else find it interesting that uh there is a a black half man half bicycle slam poet in the Sisterhood of Dada. Am I the only no. one? Okay. Because it's
2: doom patrol. It's doom patrol. I like, really, like, yeah, you'd you be surprised
3: here. Ray, I mean Dan, there, the,
5: there's a, a street turned into a wheel turned into an ambulance. So what the fuck, you know, that Ray makes more sense Danny than the there, there's Danny.
1: There's attacking butts, Ray, and you're worried about a, yes! a black, oh my God! A black poet butts? in the middle oh. of this weird wasteland? Come on, Ray, you can find more
3: shit to be concerned about. Eh. <laughs> Second thing. What the hell is in <laughs> is in Larry that's alive? That's tripping me out.
2: Hold up. It's, hold up. Oh, Let's I know what now. it is. Anyway, before you answer what it is, does anybody recall last week what I said when everybody was like, what's wrong with Larry? Does he have cancer? Okay. I didn't hear it. I didn't
5: hear what you said last week. So no,
2: it, no. La- Larry, I was, I was like, it was like a pregnancy. That's what I compared it to. That's
5: mm. what I thought. And That's what gosh, I thought. Now
2: something exactly. living is running around inside of Larry trainer. It's okay to compliment me for being right. Tony's on the same page.
5: Honest to God, I did not I did not listen to you guys talk about it last week. Right. I right. took my headphones off. And that's exactly what I thought when I watched because I was three episodes behind. And that's exactly what I thought. That spirit impregnated him some way and that to take care of him. And maybe these spirits need a developmental time uh, on Earth with a, with a being before they can go out and and, you know, move forward into space like his spirit did. So maybe it was the spirit's way of taking care of Larry.
1: Well, yeah, you raise a good point, though, Tony, because. And all the previous seasons when the spirit remember he was training himself to be separated from the spirit by what 20 30 seconds before he mm-hmm. started to die. Now the spirit's been gone for we don't know how long and he's what? supposedly dying, but at a much slower pace, which led to really,
5: is he really dying or is he just spirit pregnant and having morning sickness?
1: Yes. All pregnant. of the above spirit D, D all of the above
3: spirit pregnant. My so, third thing so is three, right. Yep. Yes, um, I am not convinced the fog did something to Kay, but Kay being out of her prison or out of her um, stupor has ruined the underground because the underground was built around everybody protecting Kay from that room she was in. Now her walking around being another one of the presences or another one of the personalities kind of kills the whole point of there needing to be a Jane. And so I think that's, 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 that's th- the more interesting point.
2: That's what they're wrestling with, though. Like that, And that's the thing is Jane... That one of the fascinating bits out of this was Jane saying, "This isn't a bad thing to give K. Like it's K's body. Like it's K. Mm-hmm. It's K. If k it's it's going to be this interesting thing of whether or not these other personalities are going to are like they're trying to reject it because it's them facing their own sort of death and mortality, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah, that's, that's really the kind of way I look at it is that they're resisting because it could mean the end of them." Because if J if Kay doesn't need them anymore, and Jane seems to see that as this is this may be a good thing, um, but the Fox said something to Jane, and something happened the with eyes. her eyes. Yeah. Like there yeah. is a message to Madame Rouge. Sorry, um, what what was Laura what's her fancy name? Laura Demille. Laura Demille. Um, I'm gonna keep calling her Madame Rouge because that's who she is. They like like there's something there. I think that it's very clear to me that that video that that projection where Rita is in the past I'm not sure that that's Rita I wonder if that's some sort of thing madame rouge did some sort of trickeration, even though she's in the video but not at, like as well like they're both in that video I I'm
3: or, or is it Rita or is it Rita who went back in time
2: maybe she thinks
3: it because is. you right. know how time Becomes a loop when you go right. back in time. Yeah, she's yep.
1: convinced she's a time traveler. Rita Farr, world-renowned time
2: traveler. Uh, I love it. And and I love it in her, like, 1930s style of description. Like, she's a newsreel. And apparently the Green Bay Packers scored. All right. What else can we glean from this episode?
3: That somebody needs to teach Cliff the pros and cons of internet surfing. Oh, uh, I quickly. love
2: no, because he's so stupid. I love that he does these stupid things. Yes,
5: let's go down that rabbit hole. I want a Russian bride to show up next week for him. That'd be fucking
2: hilarious. <laughs> that would like, be great. You know, you know it's not going to be something – like it's going to be something funny to start with before it has horrible consequences, right? And
3: I'm going to make Tony – I'm going to make Tony mad real quick because as much as I know he loves Cyborg and I love Cyborg – this episode, I think, was a perfect enc- encapsulation of why he doesn't fit. Because so much of his stuff is so different than the other four. You know, it's just, it just doesn't even feel like I'm kind of on the same pace as everybody else. It almost feels shoehorned right. into this yeah. ridiculous family.
1: And, it, I mean, that goes back to the fact stuff we've talked about in the past. That Cyborg was never in the Doom Patrol in the comics. Never. But they added him in here because he's name recognition and... And he's yeah. been a good addition, but like you're saying, right? He doesn't. Something here isn't quite like the others. I mean, this this is a a Justice League caliber superhero trying to fit in with these misfits, and it's it's been fun and it's been entertaining. And maybe this story is all about how he gets to the point where he turns into the the cyborg of the Justice League, maybe. No. That. but uh-huh. um, yeah, he's no, he's you- going through.
5: I'll play the whole thing. <laughs> One of
1: these things is not like okay, come on. Thank you, thank you, Tony. Thank you. Anyway, go ahead. Move on with whatever you're saying. Real quick question, because
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this as somebody who is not as familiar with DC Universe lore, but as somebody who is a fan of the Teen Titans Go cartoon, they had a whole week of episodes where Beast Boy returned home to the Doom Patrol. Was Beast Boy ever in? Doom patrol yes outside yes. of like in the comics yes so why do you think that they went with a property that's never been in in Doom patrol in cyborg who i get the idea is familiar beast boy is also a familiar character he's in titans he's a big part of titans which now is cyborg in titans yes or are those separate like i don't watch Titan. so cyborg's just fucking everywhere Wait, on mean, these dc shows you mean the show
1: titans or
2: the show
3: no. oh no he's not no. The, uh, show, ti- the yeah. show Titans Beast and Doom Boy- Patrol in the same world because Doom Patrol is a spin-off of Titans.
1: Okay.
2: So that explains then why Beast Boy isn't in Doom Patrol.
3: Yeah. Because
2: he's in Titans and they're, and they're keeping the two separate.
3: The episode when Beast Boy joined the, uh, joined the Titans, he, he took Raven back to Doom Manor. And that's the episode we met the Doom Patrol. And then gotcha. that episode did well enough that they gave them their own show. I see.
2: Now it's all coming together and I still don't care about DC. Hey, you want some it. Anyway. That's right. All right. So this episode, you know, like I said it ends with it ends with Rita making the terrible decision to go back in time. I look forward to seeing what happens in, in Rita's misadventures in time and things to go horribly horribly wrong with Cliff. How long before we have a glowing baby boy for Captain Trainer? We don't know. And, and you're right, Beast Boy just seems to be, or not Beast Boy, Cyborg seems to just kind of be out there. So we're halfway through the season, fellas. Uh, that's the other nice thing about the these series that we're covering right now. Nice, disposable seasons of about 10 episodes each. We got Lock and Key coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll start doing a double dip that way when Lock and Key hits. But, you know, until then, Doom Patrol all on its own, uh, and we'll have more in, you know, more coverage come next week. But for now, let's shift to the better side of the dichotomy and visit Marvel. Okay, before we talk about the finale of Marvel's What If, I do actually want to ask an honest question of you, Greg, as a guest, I want to keep you involved and in, as I Midwest pronounce your name and really stretch that e out. that's okay. Thoughts on, the, thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole and the concept of what if like these show, these episodes of like something different happening within the MCU and creating an alternate universe. Just like what what are your thoughts and have you given any thought to checking the show out?
4: To answer the second question first, yes, and and my son has watched all of them, and so when you have a 15 year old who watches this stuff, it's very much of you got to watch this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? You got to watch this. Have you seen this? And you realize just how much you haven't watched or seen when you have a 15 year old son who watches everything on his phone, even, um, which is just amazing how much technology has gone. I love the what if concept. I really love the fact that you can take storylines that people are so invested in and and have so much emotional energy invested in. And so if you're going to change them and alter them, then people are going to get just as emotionally invested in them, good or bad. Some people might've loved the way certain things went. And so when you change them, they hate it. Other people, you know, and and Patrick's talked about this before, even on this show, when something wasn't on their playlist that really happened, then to have an opportunity to have it changed, it definitely, definitely goes in the direction. All four of us, pretty much at some point in our lives have loved in pro wrestling, what we call fantasy booking. And isn't that what if really it's like taking Marvel and fantasy booking it. And most people take wrestling and fantasy book it from a certain point. They don't start from scratch. They go, okay, here's what I would have done at WrestleMania and beyond. So they take storylines up to a point and then go. And that's really what Marvel's. What if does it takes the stories from a certain place and goes what I do like. And, and from what I do know about it and what I have seen is that it then took on a life of its own and kind of became its own thing. Right. And especially with the episode you guys are about to talk about. And, and, and I know, and I don't know, you guys have to tell me and I might pick it up during your analysis of the episode. The watcher seems to be a, you know, is he a more important character in the overall universe going forward? Like, I don't know, but it seems like he was the, you know, center point of this whole thing and, and the roles that he was playing and everything that was taking place over the first nine, I know supposed to be 10, but over the first nine episodes, I just love the concept. And, and, you know, if I look through it as almost anything, I mean, as a sports fan, right. Who doesn't love to look at a football game and talk about the plays they would have called instead. Like I know Tony's probably exploding inside right now, hearing that, like I would have ran there, I would have thrown there. Like there's just so much that you see that you would have done. And what if really explores that concept um, to the point where, you know, Ray and, and Mags did a what if episode of chair shot radio last week. That was, insanely entertaining and it's something that i want us as a brand to explore more from a wrestling perspective i just think the concept is great and i just can't i don't know why someone wouldn't be interested in it to be honest with you and just from any genre but especially one as widely successful as marvel plus from a business standpoint why not take the stories you've already put so much time into and make a little bit more off of them just by redoing them
2: and that's clearly what Marvel's doing here. Uh, yeah, I learned. It a, th- I learned a couple of things out of out of that whole statement. One, it sounds like maybe we should have the little Demarco on the show at some point to talk to us about a, a show that we're watching because he Possibly? seems to be part of the target, audi- target audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and two, to answer your question about the Watcher, the Watcher is a unique unique character in the Marvel comic book lore and universe in that his name really is what he's supposed to do. And they talk about, you know, he took an oath. Uh, the, the Watchers take an oath to never involve themselves in the goings-on of the universes that they're watching. And Uatu, the name of, of this particular Watcher, is a unique one in that he, t- he, he always takes a special interest in humans and, and Earth in the, in the 616 universe in particular and he has broken his oath in, in you know in the 50 60 some years of uh, in the history of comics like he has broken his oath in the fantastic 4 he's broken his oath at other times but he always shows up when it's really about to go down in in, in the marvel universe uh, and, and so things like galactus arriving to to take out earth Uh, or uh, I'm trying to think when the, one of the times when the beyonder pulls everybody out of reality, the watcher shows up, the watcher shows up. um, Oh gosh. um, Other times he's, but he's never shown up for like civil war. Like he's never shown like civil war, which is this massive Marvel comic event. He doesn't show up. Uh, And, and characters who can see him are like, Oh, this must be really bad if the watcher's here so i love Owatu. i love that he he constantly struggles to to maintain his oath and, and only be an observer ray dave or, or Tony, remind me who voices Owatu for the series because it's somebody it's one hell of an actor i can't remember
1: he's jeffrey, in uh, jeffrey
2: Wright. that's,
3: that's it yeah. yeah he's from and, westworld
2: Yeah, Jeffrey Wright, I love him in Westworld. He's amazing in Westworld. He's a He's a great, uh, great addition of voice actor. Uh, But this episode was the culmination of the nine-episode What If, and Greg alluded to it. We're going to talk about that after we go over the episode. There was actually a tenth one that didn't get aired, and and it didn't get made due to COVID. Uh, But we're going to talk about that a little bit because there was a character that was – you know, Watsu brings all these other – mostly heroes together from the previous episodes that we've watched to stop Ultron who has gained possession of all the infinity stones is basically just wiping out reality after reality as he sees fit and, and brings them together in a very elaborate plan to stop them and basically uses his ability to see the future to stop not only Ultron but to then also contain the stones, that and and at least in this this uh, this universe's like stones and their um, and the two people vying for fa- for power to get it, in Killmonger and Ultron who who refuses to quit. Dave, I'll start with you this time. Your reaction to the episode, What If Marvel? What if the season one finale of
1: Marvel's What If? Well first, since this is the hundredth episode of bandwagon nerds, I, I'm gonna have to disagree with you on one point and object to your statement that this is a superior show to Doom Patrol. But that being said I didn't say that. You said, you said we're said going that. to the better side. You of said things. it was better. That's right. Oh, you, you, I've got no, you you one rule of
5: advertising and marketing. You can say almost any adjective you'd like except for better because it defines two things. You can say best and define that any way you want. I but mean, when you say obj- better, that means one clearly. Oh, the, uh, exactly. There we go. See, That's the you. guy I love. Thank
1: you.
2: Thank there's you. no, there's no question to it. Marvel's better than DC. Oh, I didn't say Doom Patrol was a better no, show. Fine. than
1: did. what if? Like, oh, you know, Marvel, it's okay. Catch. See, see, it's the okay. semantics here. Our anyway. All right, we appreciate no, it.
2: I, 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 stand by it. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, you're doing a great job. I understand. I know he's wrong. He's
1: wrong, but he's doing a great job at it. So that's, that's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> you know,
2: I can tell you, the football team as logo as in, behind your head, and you're sitting there talking to me about being
1: wrong. Hey, they're
2: tired. I can here. tell you as an onlooker
4: when he said. When, I can tell you as an onlooker when he said better side of the equation I automatically assumed Marvel over DC.
1: Right? Fine. Back your back your it, it's biased. Greg's biased. I'm objecting well, to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's right. It right. doesn't mean I'm wrong. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um yeah, this episode it was um it was great how they brought everything kind of full circle in this episode. It incorporated every single character cuz as we went and reviewed this, you know, as we went along um, it just seemed like these were just spinoffs, like like Greg was saying, you know, different takes, fantasy booking, and that sort of thing. And then for them to actually come up with a a coherent way to bring this all together at the end was very clever on their part, a- a- and and caught a lot of us by surprise, as because I don't think too many of us thought, you know, like my wife's big concern when she first started watching it was. I've just learned to accept one universe. Now you want me to accept all these other possibilities. And it's like, well, of course I do. You know, you're married to me, so you've got to accept that shit. That That's how it goes. Um, so the fact that they were able to pull this all together and, and create something at the end that really everybody had a part to play and, and, and you know, they brought in the alternate version of black widow and, and introduced her into a timeline where she was needed, which, you know, I don't know what you guys thought, but when they brought her in there, didn't that seem like the 616 universe that we knew or at some point in time that they brought her in? I'm, I'm not sure. No, Maybe no, not because no, no. she doesn't die until no. the end. But, um, but, but look, can ahead. I can
2: I just say that when she, when she got introduced, it made me be like, oh, so that's how they're going to launch season two. Could be. Because, because if there's one thing we've learned about about this, like meddling with universes and stuff, is you really shouldn't do it right like and so uatu right. now is throwing somebody from another reality to, to a place where there was a void right but i couldn't help but think of that um that office gif of steve Carell where he's making the, the like the face oh, the like, no. the, like, he's, he's gritting his teeth oh. no not like the police he's just gritting his teeth like really tight like this
1: okay. as he's like and it's weird but it's like that oh shit face like right Right. I loved it. And the other thing we know from Marvel is that pocket dimensions usually don't work out so well. So you've got Ultron and Killmonger fighting each other in this pocket dimension, presumably forever. And we know that that's not going to work out too long.
2: Guarded by a strung out, dark Doctor Strange. That's yes, like, right.
1: What could, poss- what could possibly go Possessed wrong there? Possessed with a Kraken. So yeah, it's, it, what can go wrong? But it was, it he, was a really cool he, episode. He, huh? He released uh, the Kraken. He did. he did at least it's um i I did like the the mid-credit scene which was a nice throwback you know bringing everything full circle again and a nice throwback to captain america so it's it was a great ending to the series and i I just like i said i'm really impressed with how they brought everything full circle made everyone matter and kept killmonger as just as power hungry jackass all the way to the very end so
3: that's my thoughts all right ray cash I'm kind of with Dave. I think the cool part, the coolest part about the people they chose was that why he chose them, and kind of like Greg was saying, from a what if standpoint, you're taking it from one point and you're changing it, but they still were their same people. So like Peggy, even though she may not have been Captain America in our universe, we know Peggy Carter was always a leader, and she's the one that gets everybody kind of roped in together. T'Challa was kind of the the, the empathetic one to try to help everybody. Even though that that Killmonger wasn't his cousin, he kept trying to bring Killmonger in and do the right things. Even though Thor was bro Thor, he still did Thor stuff. Like I thought that was really cool that that didn't change too much. Um, also, I'm really I'm I, we didn't get a chance to see it, but man, I would have killed to have seen Hawkeye's face when the new when the old when the new Widow showed up because like you know bro, you was there when she died, so like. That's a crazy ass nightmare for you. Um, but yeah, the 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 pocket dimension and the dark Doctor Strange. This is the first episode that's made me think what tony has been saying the entire time. Maybe some of this may pop up in the physical MCU. I didn't think of any of that because it just seemed too far out, seemed too kind of perfectly in, in like encapsulated in its own world. But man, like Dark Doctor Strange is a thing that we need to see on like actual movies. Like, that is too perfect of a character.
2: Uh, I'm going to go back to what I said last week. Uh, I think there's a possibility he could show up as early as Spider-Man No Way Home. Very possible. I just want to or see...
1: It, th- at, least, at least Multiverse of Madness. Dude, I just want to see yeah. Thor's battle cry in Love and Thunder be Vegas. You know, that's that's got to that be a real
3: was, thing. That was good stuff. That, uh, so if there's any part of that movie that's in Vegas, we know Feige is working hard. Really there, there's working. so
1: there's so much
2: about bro thor that was hilarious uh i love when he like tries to blast ultra like he starts firing lightning off just for the hell of it and they're like what are you doing he's like i told you i tend to attract attention like <laughs> he's like i warned you this could happen or this would happen and, and then it did he he backed up what he said he was gonna do so i loved it tony your thoughts on this episode this this season finale I,
5: the whole season is really about the human element of, you know, overachieving and grinding and, and just, you can't really assess someone's inner drive to get something done when it comes down to it. Right. It took all these different people. And maybe that's why the watcher is so driven towards watching the six one six and earth and things of that nature, because the human element is so appealing, right. And unpredictable, you know, and that was Ultron's downfall. I mean, it was it was such a great series. The first season, everything came together perfectly. Like you guys hit every single note already. So, I'm I'm just thrilled. And uh, how, what do we got? 364 days until next year's hockey tryouts. Let's go.
2: <laughs> that that was one of the most random movie re- references we've had on the show, considering the connective tissue.
5: Yo, I'm just saying, when's the next season? Let's get it on.
2: Are you going to go line up in a batting cage and start taking baseballs off the chest? Kind <laughs> of toughen up.
1: Tap, tap, a tap, a
2: tap, 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 room. So let's, let's project to season two. So there's already been an interview from the showrunners where they have said that maybe season two isn't going to be the same as season one in sort of this like overarching culmination episode where everything sort of comes back together um do we buy that like do we buy that that's that's going to be the goal and and what's going to happen
5: do you want that would you like would you rather have it be like a continuation and connected to season one or would you rather see something completely different and chop that and go let's see another way of what if
2: well, there's three possibilities, honestly that that you could branch off. One, it could be a continuation of what they've been doing so far uh, with with the kind of the story that they ended it in, in season one. I don't necessarily see that because it does feel like that came to like a conclusion unless they do like a branch with like what happens with the Black Widow scenario, what happens with Peggy Carter or um, yeah, Peggy Carter like those. Um, I could see them doing a similar season two to season one that's its own arc within that and i think they can do kind of what i talked about you know great talked about playlist and, and i've been fairly transparent that probably one of the things that was surprising to me and, and i wasn't sure whether i liked or not was that what if and what if in the comics was very much like one comic was its own thing and then the next comic was its own thing they never connected and they never got brought back together what if was always just sort of it'd be a limited run series of about six to nine issues that would be like what if you know ray cash was never a member of the bandwagon what if david elgar was the host of bandwagon nerds what if pc tunny actually followed all the articles that i sent him what if (laughs) craig demarco gave two shits about nerd stuff like (laughs) <laughs> like each episode would be its own individual episode and it would wrap up. And the thing that I always thought was really interesting about the comic series was each one of those individual comics eventually just went and and rounded itself to the result that you would see in 616. It was like the how it got there was just different. And so those are the three possibilities. I guess i I, I was pleasantly surprised with the resolution out of season one. The writers are saying they're not going to do that for season two. Marvel has lied to us before, frequently, in fact. Feige loves no, I know, Dave. So what do you think, Dave? What do
1: you think we're going to get out of season two? Well, again, first off, one of those what-if possibilities you mentioned about me hosting actually has come to fruition quite a few times. So because Patrick's gone, you know, 50% of the time he's gone every time, that sort of thing.
5: No (laughs) fucking Patrick. Yeah, that's right. Um, We're not up on our stair quote. I had to drop one in.
1: I would think that, I mean, what I would ideally like them to do is do a second season exploring different story arcs, you know, different ideas, different. There's so much that they can do with, with this whole, what if, what if concept and then see how it goes, see what the, what the acclaim is like. And, and hopefully they do something to bring it all together at the end and, and, and do a, something that connects it because, if you don't leave it connected, and here's me burying DC, you know, to Patrick's benefit. If you don't connect everything, then you're pretty much doing what DC does. And we're not going to enter- interconnect anything. We're just going to leave all this standalone shit out there. Um, that's not what Marvel does. So as far as Marvel lying to us, I would agree with Patrick on that one that says, yeah, there's a significant chance that they are just swerving us on this thing. I really hope that they just explore a lot more of these of these stories that they can get creative with. Um, you know, there's a lot more the watcher can do. He like, like, you know, like Patrick was saying, he didn't get involved in civil war cause he's basically, if it's cosmic and, and more affects more than just the earth, there's a chance he'll get involved. But civil war was really grounded to the planet. Um, so he just says, eh, I don't care about that, but I'm hoping that we see more of like we had this year, just some different stories, um, different characters. And as, The MCU is going to introduce more and more characters as we go along. You know, Shang-Chi, we've seen what that's all about. We know more stuff's coming with Spider-Man No Way Home. Give me a what if with Venom. You know, that would be a fun little twist. So that's what I'm hoping for season two.
2: All right. Um, Ray, what do you want out of season two? And then we're going to talk about a couple of bits out of this article before we wrap up. um, What if?
3: I want to see The Trial of the Watcher. That was a comic's arc where because the watcher broke his oath, all the other watchers put him on trial to see if he should stay one of the watchers. I'd like to see that kind of play itself out in fruition. And it could even be, since it's a it's supposed to be a 10 episode arc, we can start off the first couple episodes the way we've been doing, but you can see him getting more and more involved because he can't control himself and finally he gets pulled. And I'd like to see that. I think that could be interesting and could be cool in a way that can still stay true to the premise of the show. But then that happens. And then, of course, Ultron and Killmonger get out and Havoc wreaks. And then you realize, oh, well, we need we we all as watchers can't just sit back and watch. We have too much power or something of that order. But that would be really interesting to me to kind of keep it the same idea, but evolve it to something different.
5: Dave likes your idea. He just wants the whole thing to be a trial, like 10 episodes of the trial. <laughs> no. No, in but fact,
2: I, I consulted and when they drama. settle out of court, they'll <laughs> settle out of court at, at about episode 10. Like that'll be how it goes.
1: I do love Ray's in idea fact- though, because with the turtles coming out, you're going to have celestials and stuff like that going on, which starts That's to true. move the needle in that direction. Yeah, the,
2: the thing that I think is hilarious um, about if we do the Trial of the Watcher is it needs to, if we do this and they settle out of court, then the last episode needs to go to a black screen that says that the DC, um, that Marvel and Owatu have settled out of court and terms of the agreement will not be disclosed. End of episode. So you 3. Final thought, yeah. Tony.
5: Super quick, what if season two is leading up to The Trial of the Watcher, which leads into a special what-if 90-minute mini-movie episode on The Trial of the Watcher?
2: Basically you're like welcome. a comic book that's set yeah. up very, very nicely. Well, it, 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 it it's
5: wrestling, it's sports, it's comics, it's all the same.
2: It's, the it's, it's all one thing. So an interview came out uh shortly after this they shared with you all it was posted on io9 my my go-to website for most of my nerd news where they talked uh, a couple of things they reflected on a couple of things from the show the first of which was that we actually were supposed to have a 10 episode season which when you watch episode 9 you're like of course there was a 10th episode because we didn't mention this gamora a Gamora is brought in to help bring down Ultron. A Gamora from a reality where she is a partner with Tony Stark. A- and the episode just didn't get made due to COVID restrictions. There was an outbreak apparently in the studio, and it just didn't get done in time. We have been promised that that ep- either that episode is going to come out or a Gamora-centric episode is coming. What did you all? What what? What do you do? You want to see the episode that we didn't get? Or do you want to see something completely new and unique? Uh, Tony, we'll start with you this time. Or do you care? You just care if it's good. That's usually your your response.
5: I no. I want to. I want to. I want them to give us the episode we didn't get, and I want them to do it exactly how they were going to do it. That's exactly what I want.
1: Perfect, Dave. Um, I'd love to see it. I don't think it's absolutely necessary. I mean, you got enough from this to know that there's something with Gamora and Tony that was going on um and they gave you enough, enough context that i don't think it's essential but would it be cool to see it absolutely sure
3: mr cash i don't want to see it because everybody else wants to and i i, I know that's just <laughs> can somebody do this man that's ridiculous but, but can can you let me explain please no <laughs> you what I'm talking about <laughs> do, you, do you see how i'm treated on your network
1: Should we tell him now it's Greg's, Sa- it's Greg's soundboard? Actually. All
2: right. All right. Let, let, yeah. let, let thought
1: <laughs> out. No, okay. It's, it's my soundbite. And Ray, you're not going
5: to, Greg's not going to be mad at anything that makes him smile when it happens. That was funny. At your expense, that's your problem. All right. But all right, I love okay. Every,
2: Everybody, I love everybody, everybody, everybody,
3: go ahead, Ray. Thank you, sir.
6: No,
3: so, no, go, go, go ahead. Go
2: ahead. The main
3: reason I don't want to see it is because there's too much Tony Stark. We've seen enough Tony Stark in what if? It was like in three episodes. We've seen enough of him. And number two, I don't think it's consequential to anything for us to see it at this point. So if we're I seeing mean, it's it, it, it's just right? so, Yeah, but I mean the the entire series is fan service. Everything about the series is fan service. Like you don't have to over fan service, fan service. I think it's cool. Sometimes it's cool to have that missing easter egg that nobody ever got ever ever got a chance to see that people talk about for years and years and years sometimes you don't want to give everybody everything sometimes it's cool to take something back to leave something to talk about so 20 years from now we'll still be talking about man remember that episode of what if they didn't put out i think that's more interesting to the totality than to see a 30 minute episode that ultimately doesn't lead to anything of necessary consequence
2: Hashtag release the Gamora cut. That's what I heard right there from Ray.
3: Shout out to Zach Snyder. Uh,
2: so here's the here's the last thing that, that I want to talk about. And this came out of the this was the other thing that came out of the article. So, and somebody made a good point. Uh, this episode, episode nine, was the last time we'll see or hear Chadwick Bozeman as T'Challa. But had he we not lost him, it sounds like there was at least talks of a ravagers slash guardians of the galaxy led uh series i'm assuming animated with the t'challa led ravagers that makes me so sad like and i don't i don't even have a lot of comment on this other than that would have been a fun series to to check out and it's just another reminder of what we lost and really what how important chadwick boseman really was to the future of marvel moving forward like the more and more I think about this and the more and more you look at what they talked about and and hope to have planned for him it, it every it's it's another knife twist, and that's too bad. T'Challa's
3: child one of the five most marvel characters ever right so yeah so yeah, he's involved in everything every major every major group he's a part of the ultimates, the Avengers, the Illuminati, all of it every major person that's ever every villain. Got one storyline, them versus T'Challa. He's so important. So yeah, man, that's that is a loss that can't be replicated.
1: Hey, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I gotta echo everything Ray says. That uh, T'Challa was gonna be a huge part of the MCU moving forward, and a, you know, that's one of the big things that we've wondered about since he passed away over a year ago. Is how are they going to adjust to this? And we know that we've got. Wakanda forever coming out and and I assume they've got something in play but I I think you know there's no doubt that what the MCU does is going to be great but it's going to be very different from what it would have been otherwise it, Yeah, it's it's you can't you can't replace that loss and you know I my thing at this point is just wondering you know at some point does that Black Panther character become such a void that they have to do the unthinkable and try and recast T'Challa which no. Seems impossible now, but we don't know how it's going to play out later on. I, I think, I think that if there's one thing Marvel has
2: shown us, cause you got to think about it. They created multiple voids. Like Robert Downey Jr. Is, is the Marvel cinematic universe for 20 some movies. Even when he wasn't in a damn movie, Iron Man was part of, was part of that universe. So I don't, I I think that the memory of T'Challa will always be, be a shadow there. The Black Panther mantle always gets carried, uh, even when it isn't T'Challa. It, I, I just have faith in what Feige has been able to put together. Uh, and I have faith in what the MCU has been able to put together. And you know, we've already got characters like Shang, Shang-Chi has made $400 million that just got shared today. Like they, They're going to be fine. That void is going to be filled. New heroes will step in and we'll all be happy with it. So, You're right. I'm and, sure we will.
1: And Marvel's doing a good job as far as as taking steps to fill that void in a way that people are going to accept. You look at Falcon and Winter Soldier, fill the void left by Captain America. You look they got mm-hmm. Ironheart coming out, fill the void mm-hmm. left by, you know, Iron Man cuz Iron Man in the comics at some point is just a suit with an AI consciousness embedded into it. So um, they're going to do something like that with Black Panther as well. So, yeah, you're right, Pat. You are. I mean, and, you know, at at some point they get to the point where they really feel like they need to bring T'Challa back. eh? Let them cross that bridge when they get there.
2: Exactly. All right. Well, that is going to close the book on Marvel's What If. Next week it'll just be a review of Doom Patrol episode 6. We're coming up on our first commercial break, but before we do, we do want to say goodbye to the Kingpin himself, Mr. Greg DeMarco. You know, I know that we flip flopped your role on the show, so it was it was a little bit of a different thing. You you hadn't seen the episodes, but thank you so much for coming on and joining us. I know for the the second time, we really appreciate it, uh, and showing up for our hundredth episode is it's special to me, and I think uh, it was special to the rest of the
4: group. So thank you. Of course, no, hundred percent. I'm I'm glad to have the invite and glad to be here. I will say a um, couple of things. I want to go back to what you guys were saying. You can never replace T'Challa in the mcu like it's just not possible chadwick boseman's performance of the character captured the imagination of so many people you could never possibly change that it just it just wouldn't work um but you can have someone else take up the. this isn't roadie we're talking about here we're talking about freaking t'challa like it's just not gonna not gonna work um but someone else could eventually be black panther i mean the whole first movie was about him becoming black panther so someone else could eventually become black panther but no one could ever be t'challa that would be is just, just the most irresponsible thing that they could do. But what I really want to talk about is just the fact of, of you guys hitting 100 episodes. I tried to find the numbers and I couldn't, but from what I was able to locate, the average podcaster gets to about episode 23 before they just pff, done, right? And and we've seen shows come and go and and go and come in in, in our in what we do. Um I've been podcasting for, you know, 10 and a half years now with with Patrick O'Dowd and and everybody on here has been doing it for multiple years and has put out episodes in the hundreds um and and it's so we all know we all have that experience we know the ups and we know the downs to get to 100 is a milestone that is you know 200 is going to be cool, 250 is going to be cool, 500 is going to be cool, but 100, when you first hit those triple digits, because almost nobody gets into four digits, it's that's something special. And for what you guys have been able to do, um, I think maybe we should go back and this and, week and find a bit it, you know. Throw episode number one out there and let people listen to it and compare to episode 100 because we did that when we hit 10 years of, of Patrick and I podcasting on the 10-year anniversary I put out episode number one, and it's night and day. I mean episode number one was terrible, and of course you guys have had cast changes, and you guys have had so many changes in, in the content of Bandwagon Nerds and everything, but – what has, has remained true is the personalities and the subject matter that you're talking about. The thing that's different about bandwagon nerds for me, that's very, very important. And, you know, I, I, the only credit I can take is that I said yes when the idea was presented to, to have the show on the network. Everything else is these guys. Um, uh, maybe one or two little suggestions, but I don't think I've made a suggestion since like episode 10, except maybe stop having certain people on the show. But, um, it's when I listen to a wrestling podcast. I mean, I I, I do wrestling, right? I've been covering it. I've been a fan since I was seven. I've been covering it for 11 years. I put it on. I've been involved. Like, it's just just different, right? I hear people talk about wrestling. I either want to argue with them. I either want to tell them they're wrong, or I want to share my own opinion on things they're talking about. Bandwagon nerds, I get to kick back and listen and learn in a lot of ways. Like, it's not my wheelhouse, right? It's not what I do. And so i get to be i'm a fan of certain wrestling podcasts like you know Pod of war is a great example because of the personalities bandwagon nerds yes i love the personalities but i don't know the subject matter so i can actually listen and learn and i can actually enjoy it as an onlooker and i can't hear something and be like no no that's wrong because i don't know enough to know that's wrong i don't know enough to be dangerous like like i do in wrestling and so What you guys do, and I think what a lot of people get, because this is still, it's not a wrestling radio podcast network, but over over 50% of our content is still wrestling. You're getting people listening who don't have the in-depth knowledge and fandom that you guys have. And that's what makes it special and that's what makes it good. And so that's why I'm always behind bandwagon nerds. hundred percent. You guys have taken, you know, given an inch, taken a mile. And I think it's wonderful that you've done it. I hope we're here for two, 300, 400, 500 and, and beyond, because I, as a fan get to listen and learn and, and develop so much. So thank you for the effort that's put into this. I know how much effort Patrick puts into it. I know how much effort you guys put into it, keeping up with everything, watching and preparing. And it comes through, on on mondays when it's listened to so keep it up thank you guys and congrats on hitting 100 and uh I'll raise an empty water bottle to many more thank
2: you very much Craig. much appreciated i know you've got some places you got to go you're a busy busy man so we're gonna let you go and we're also gonna take a quick commercial break i say quick one minute and 16 seconds everybody when we come back we will welcome our second special guest returning to the bandwagon at least with me on the show as well as him on the show, is the scientist DPP. That's coming your way when we come back to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. For the ones who work hard
5: to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. PWX, over-the-top shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only five ninety nine per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.
4: Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot.
0: TheChairShot.com.
3: Always use your
2: head. All right. We are back. Greg DeMarco has left the building, but that doesn't mean that the bandwagon has lost anything. In fact, we've more than filled the void left by Greg DeMarco as returning to the bandwagon for the first time since the last time he returned to the bandwagon Uh, is the scientist himself, Mr. D. P. P. Welcome back, sir. me i know you graciously filled in in my absence uh, a couple months ago so how you been man what is new with you
7: johnny five is alive first of all love the background mr o'dowd it's fantastic you, <laughs> uh, one of the first movies we reviewed i think when we did the movie reviews that was one of the early ones on the list i'm doing good uh just living life here uh, you know the the things i've always been doing nice it's Uh, it's slowly continuing to build uh its collection behind me (laughs) it
2: it looks phenomenal i and, and i'm still i'm still working on the misses to give me permission to get a playstation 5 or at least get on the waiting list to get a playstation 5 so that like in three years hashtag 2027 i'll get a playstation 5 when playstation 7 is out like i'll get that used one from gamestop that's missing like a controller and two cables like that, and and I'll get it for like a dollar, and a uh, third-party
7: controller. Yeah,
2: right. And I'll probably get I'll probably get like <laughs> whatever whatever Far Cry um, game has come out that that I then won't play. Far Cry. It'll be a War. Metal War. of Honor. Far
5: Medal Cry. of Honor Four.
2: Yeah, Medal of Honor. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I will tell you that is one thing. That, you know, I loved having you on the show because you you were the video game guy. Like, like we, we've got, we had like the DC guys, we had the Marvel guys and you, you were both within those, but then you were also the video game guy. Like, and, and you know, had a podcast to, to run with that and cover that as well. And so it's, it's great to have you back and thank you for, you know, adapting your schedule, flipping the script a little bit for us to, to jump on the show because you know, the kingpin of the chair shot radio network got all like, I gotta go be a dad and stuff. And so you know, had to bump you. I, or I
7: understand. You. you know, he takes first, pr- first bill. He gets precedence. So, you know, look at it this way. I know, I
1: see. You're getting the hot tag. So there you go, man. Get, You're getting the
7: hot I'm tag. Always, and
2: you get to see, you get to see this show through to its conclusion. Unlike one, Mr. DeMarco. And I'm looking, you get to answer Patrick O'Dowd on a question this week instead of Greg DeMarco. So
7: I get and, the better stuff. I get the better half as you, that's right.
2: Who doesn't want to be a part of that? And I, sometimes i look at things and i'm like oh maybe this was kind of fake and and here's why i say this is fake because we're gonna go to the trailer park it's a weird trailer park this year or this time around uh, but dave go ahead and cue up the music and let's get a little tra- trailer park action going and then we'll talk about a kind of a hodgepodge of different trailers that we're running out there in the nerdosphere this week All right, thank you. The reason I'm excited to have DPP part of the trailer park, and I don't even know if you got a chance to check these these links out, but we are getting, we're we're starting with a a new movie based on a popular video game franchise that, I'm not going to lie, very excited about. Because we got a trailer for Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, where I watched... A trailer that looked like the goddamn video game and that excited me i i don't know about you guys but the original resident evil was one of my favorite games to play and replay over and over again because it was unlike anything I'd ever played before. It was the first sort of true horror genre of video game that I'd ever played. And when those dogs jumped through the window in the hallway the first time, I'll, I I was so startled. I remember running Chris Redman out of the room and being like, the fuck? Because I couldn't believe it. And so to watch this trailer, which had so many nods to the original video game, and I hope it's not a complete fan service-y thing, I... I was very very excited from what we saw, and to know that this is going to be in theaters, and then I think on Netflix. Um, yeah, sign me up because I got a I like. I I understand it spawned a big franchise. Didn't really care for the Mila jo- Jojovi- Jovovich uh, franchise, so I'm gonna kick it over to Dave. Not to Dave. I'm gonna kick it over to DP to start us off because video games. I feel like I got to start with the video game guy. So did you have a chance to watch the trailer and what are your thoughts about a sort of what I look, what appears to be a reboot on the resident evil movie franchise?
7: Yeah, I was going to say it seems to be looking like a reboot, which is good. Um, Cause I was in the same boat there. I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the initial movies uh, for resident evil there. I just, I didn't like that series. It, I don't know. just didn't do it for me. I guess I'm not a hundred percent fan of horror too much, but You know, I can I can deal with it for the most part if it's if it's done right, you know, um, not just like scare you for the sake of scaring you. You know, if it has a good story and has, you know, it's put together correctly, I I think it's going to be good. Um, I I was a half fan of the video game series. I I played the second (laughs) one. Um, I liked the whole kind of the idea behind it, the isometric view that they first did, you know, there where it was like you kind of got one view of rooms until you moved. To the next one, um, we're kind of cool uh, and fighting. Uh, was it Nemesis was the was the villain in that one? I think and two, and right. That was scary as shit, man. Trying to like when you see him and you go running like crazy because it's like, oh fuck, what do I do? Uh, was pretty cool. Uh, and then when they kind of transitioned over to the kind of third person or first person ish third person shooters uh, for the GameCube, uh, with four, I kind of dug that one. I liked. Uh, was it four or five? I can't remember where they were out in the woods a little bit. Um, that one was pretty good. Um, but not my favorite franchise to play, really, because um, I'm not the biggest fan of the horror games, but um, it had some good stuff. Uh, and this one, this trailer looks a lot better than the originals, I guess. So I'm really kind of hoping for good things from this one. You know, when they do some reboots, I'm always kind of hoping it's going to be better than the originals. So. I thought it looked pretty good. I'm 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 excited for it.
2: Resident Evil 2, I learned the hard way that the first playthrough shit doesn't come back when you do the second playthrough with the other character. And I remember running into Nemesis and having no ammo to fight him because I yeah. couldn't pick anything up. I was like I got this rocket launcher and I got no fucking rockets. That sucked. The worst. All right, let's go to the guy who loves horror. Uh, or at least watches a lot of horror, Mr. Ray Cash. Yeah, that's right. Get your headset back on, unmute yourself. Your thoughts on the Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City trailer?
3: Well, I'll tell you this: uh, the trailer is really damn interesting. The trailer really kind of gets you into it, and it feels very video gamey. If that makes sense. The the what Mila Jovovich is the other person, right? In the other one
2: in the original series yeah
3: yes, which that felt very big budgeted very movie-esque this didn't feel that this felt a little more i mean to talk about a a, a series with like zombie filling crazy people but it feels more grounded if you will it felt a little more real so i'm in on the trailer i'm in on the movies I didn't really play the video games unless I was at, like, Dave & Buster's or something, and I played the arcade versions. But I'd be in that bitch all day. <laughs> I, 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 I spend money on those arcade games. Um, but Resident Evil, I think we said this maybe five, six, seven weeks ago, video games are made perfectly for movies. Because it's already got a p- completely perfectly perfect st- uh, story arc. You know the characters matter because you're not going to sit there and play hours and hours and hours on end if you don't care about the characters. So like I'm 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 surprised we don't get more video game adaptations to movies. And um, from everything I heard DP say and alluding from what you said, Patrick, apparently the Resident Evil movies before weren't very good. I don't know, and they watched them. If this can kind of bring that same feeling that I know everybody had about the video games. I mean, that's, that's just money in the bank.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think this is actually a mishmash of one and two, this film, because if you all recall, you don't actually venture into Raccoon City at all in the original game. That's all done in one mansion. It's not until the second one where they, where they jump into um, the, the city at large and kind of exploring around. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very exciting. Dave, what did you think about the trailer?
1: Uh, well, I thought it felt very much like an origin story to me. Like there was they stripped away all the stuff from the Mila Jolovich whatever the hell her name is uh series and kind of went back to the roots here. And, and I liked it, you, you know, they even got the rabid dog. You get a scene with the rabid dog in there. So, or zombie dog, excuse me. Um, so to me, I, I'm immediately more interested in this because this is kind of going, cause yeah, the resident evil movies got so far left field of what the video game series was that it was like, it just lost all connection. Like Ray's sitting there saying, why don't we do more video game adaptations? Well, you know, DP and I, and Patrick, you can say the same thing. You can count on one hand, the number of good movies that were adapted from video games and, and maybe not even needing one hand. Cause there's just not many of them, but this felt more like, like a, a true video game adaptation. And um, it gave me some hope for it i mean i don't think it's going to match like resident evil 4 which is still my opinion the best resident evil game of all time but it, it's 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 immediately more interesting to me than anything that i saw in the movies previously
2: tony i know horror is like your big thing you love horror movies you line up at the theater like he buys midnight showings he of the latest horror flicks
1: out for tickets man
2: I heard he's desperate for the uh, the newest uh, Exorcist movie to be made and come out like he's been writing letters. He started a change.org petition, like the whole thing. Your, th- <laughs> your thoughts on the trailer for Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City.
5: Um, as I usually do, and, and, and very smart of me to do so, I agree with DPP and not my genre of entertainment uh movie wise and not my genre of video game as well but y'all sounded fucking brilliant talking
2: about it you're welcome okay moving on this weekend we didn't even talk about this and i don't know that we really needed to cuz as the as i saw the news kind of popping out of this and leading into it um it just wasn't particularly exciting this weekend was new york city comic-con which i've attended in nycc it's a fun little con they want it to be the san diego comic-con of the east the pandemic has really messed with that however saturday seemed to be a pretty big day for amazon as they released multiple i don't know if we call them trailers Cause they weren't really trailers, but they were like seeing clips for panels. Like they would have a panel talking about various shows and then be like, here's a clip from the show. And there were three that really caught my attention that came out of San Diego comic con that I, that I thought would be, would be worth our time to, to really break down and take a look at. And, and I kind of did them in the order of interest to me, um, so I'm going to own that, like these, these are how I felt about them. But the first one that they did is that there is a series, uh, a television series coming out based on the, I know what you did last summer franchise. And, and we got a clip that apparently I would assume is from the first episode, but yeah, i mean, just you, like watching the scene unfold that they really, you know, released to us of teenagers in a car hitting something seems pretty clear today that if you've seen, I know what you did last summer, that's where we're kicking off. So Gentlemen, uh, I'll start with Ray this time around. Did you watch the clips? Did you see? Did you see any news out of this? What are your thoughts? Did you even? Did you even like the original? What do you? What do you want to see out of this? Do you even want to see? I know what you did last summer.
3: Well, I literally just watched all three clips just now while you were talking. Y'all were talking. Need we to do your homework. Yes. Hey, hey, I got it in before it was time for to talk about it. So. Count. It's like, ah, uh, I'm the first one
5: picked up at the bus stop in the morning, so I got a good 25 minutes to get that math assignment done.
3: I'm saying, right? Like, school starts at 8 o'clock? It'll be <laughs> done by 7.59. Um, I love the movie. I know what you did last summer. Again, I'm a big horror buff that is a genre of mine that I'm very passionate and I love very dearly. Um, And that came out around the time when, like, horror changed. They started using the different ideas, like Scream came out, and I Know What You Did Last Summer came out and they all had kind of the same tenets of a slasher horror movie, but they were kind of from a different perspective. I love the idea of I Know What You Did Last Summer because everybody's done something that they want to, that they regret and they hope nobody ever finds out. And it's almost like a telltale heart type esque story, right? But there's, but you know, sometimes you watch a movie and you think, man, this movie's cool. But if it had about 10 episodes of it, I could really get into it. I feel like, and maybe I'm on my own. Maybe I'm on an island. This is one of those ideas that you can kind of build with, right? I mean, how many shows do you see on ABC or Fox or any of these broadcast shows that are essentially the same thing? Someone got killed. With, hell, Scandal and how you, how to Give up a murder had seven, eight, nine seasons based on this shit. So, like, from from a horror standpoint or an, or a slasher standpoint, I think it'd be cool to see where they go with it. And if you watch that first clip and you you see them hit whatever it is at that that bump and you feel that kind of like extremely deafening silence, yeah, you in. I'm I'm with it. Dave, what about you?
1: Um, okay. No, I. It's just like
3: <laughs> he clearly disagrees.
1: No, all no, right. no. I I don't disagree at all. It's just it's just not. It's there's so much coming out that I I just I took a look at this and say. Gotta be great if I had time to do that, to watch that. But there's another clip that we're going to be talking about that I'm definitely going to prioritize over anything else that came out of New York City Comic Con. Um, so I would almost defer to that. I, you know, I, the movies were good. They were fine. That this looks like it's going to be a fun series. Um, you know, a little bit of a modernization on a relatively modern horror flick. So I don't know how well that'll work, but yeah, I mean, if I had 48 hours in a day. I'd be watching it for sure. But I just don't have that.
2: Horror movie super fan, PC Tunny. What do you think?
5: I think it's not the fault of the people that are trying to come up with content. I think it's the fault of the people that are responsible for collecting money for the content distributed to people that we continue to see old ideas pushed out into new ways once again. And it's just a collective on how there's no creativity everybody just follows the dollar oh we can throw something we're we're almost getting breeded for familiarity um from from the content that we get in in a lot of these things so for me i'm not in love with the idea i thought the movie was excellent that's something i actually watched but i don't know i i guess it could be well done but it just feels lazy
2: oh, oh lazy book oh, man this, this is a tough crowd here
7: dp I. I would in, in a sense agree with that. You know, in, in movies in gen- Hollywood in general can't come up with new ideas and they just recycle old stuff for sure. Uh to try and uh, like I'm not a fan of the series. But I know what you did last summer. I never, you know, I'm again not the horror guy either, like PC, so I, I didn't really necessarily watch it. Um mm. I like the idea, you know, that that Ray brought up, you know, they can they can do some more with it if they wanted to turn this into a series, like kind of the way you were talking about it reminded me uh has anybody watched the show dead to me on netflix like you know it's it's kind of a you know someone there's a murder or something and then they kind of try and build because someone knows what happened and then you have to you know at the end of the first you know season you can you could figure out the murderer or whatever so they get you know it gets presented to you after 10 episodes and then they can move on to another story where somebody else gets killed and they can keep going with it and expand on the whole story. So it could be they could do some really good stuff with it if they wanted to. Um I'm probably not going to watch it because I <laughs> don't care. I, I don't want to know what you did last summer about as much as I don't want to know what you did in the bathroom five minutes ago. So, well, that's I, a- you know. <laughs> no oh you check so, pc checks on that one <laughs> but, TP, here, here, you
2: actually brought up you actually kind of answered this question that i was going to ask is this a series that's that's sort of finite in what it can do be and, and i always think i think back to the show pretty little liars um and, and i didn't watch pretty little liars but the, the concept is very similar like when shut up dave when there is this like central when there's like this central like problem or in this case you know this thing that happened how long can you really keep a show like that going like this strikes me as like it's either got to be an anthological series where each season is a different murder kind of the way that dp described Mm -hmm. or it's it's ridiculously protracted over as many seasons as they could get for downloads or it's a one and done it. Tony, you dropped the mic. What do you think?
5: It's going to be more like an American horror story thing where you get a different volume each time. I, I think, you know, and, and, and it's, Like, I'm not saying it's it's a smart thing for the people that are releasing the content and and making the decisions to do because it's a proven concept. And if they have people that are qualified and capable to transfer that story across different genres and storylines and things of that nature, you know you're going to make money. It's low risk for whatever studio or or station is putting this out, right? Because it's something you – it's familiar. You're not only grabbing the horror. You're not only grabbing the age set of the people who were – you know, prominent movie goers at the time. And you're not only grabbing suspense, you're grabbing the concept that's been proven. So it's not it's not stupid. It's just lazy in my opinion.
3: Ray, thoughts? Um it would be cool to kind of see it see it become an anthology. Um, but I was I'm kind of thinking of it kind of like in the vein of Dead to Me or How to Get, How to Get Away with Murder is a show that I was really into it. And the entire show, all four seasons, re- revolved around the death at the beginning of the season. But that death led to a major death every season that you don't figure out who it was or what happened until the end of the season. But it all revolved around that one original death. And I think something like that can, if it's what, and I mean, Shonda Rhimes is a genius at doing shit like that. But I, I think if you can kind of interweave or wove or whatever the spiders do, I. Hey, it could be something interesting, um, you know. But yeah, it is lazy. Lol, Charlotte wins, but you know, content. Content is king, right? You, you know who coined that phrase, right? Who did? Who coined it? Was it you? That was me. Um, you. And by the way, while we're t- congratulations on that. While 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 we're at it, we're talking about lazy. There's a, there's a thing. While we're talking about lazy, Tiger King Two comes out November seventeenth. Let's yeah, just talk talking talking. you talk to no. No. I'm going to have to talk about it. I'm just saying, quiet. No, no. If there was ever a show it. that didn't need anything extra uh, except, uh, I'm just so to the save us. Save it. Don't make
2: me uh, boo you again. Don't make me boo you again. I get, Do blue,
3: it. I get booed when I say good shit. So, whatever. There you go. Uh, I
1: really, oh wait, I
2: don't make the live studio audience boo you again. Not me. I don't. I don't boo you. It's yeah. the studio audience that boos you. I
1: I like the concept of them exploring like what you talked about, Patrick. Or you know, everybody. There's always a situation where somebody has done something they regret and they don't own up to it and the consequences of that. You could probably stretch this out and explore that in a little bit more detail. Uh, I I think that that has some legs to it and actually would be something different than being lazy, you know, that'd be a little bit creative, but beyond that, yeah, I don't see unless it's anthological where they really go with this.
2: That's fair. I think we've said about all we need to say about, I know what you did last summer, the second trailer. And actually this one wasn't a trailer. This was an opening sequence. Is something that I'm very, very excited about because I play dungeons and dragons and this show is kind of the little show that could, if 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 I can say it that was for it was a, it was the opening credits for uh, an animated series called Critical Role. Now, for those of you who don't know, Critical Role started out as like a podcast of this D and D gaming group, like trying to turn their their campaign into a show, and then it became a show, and here we are with now an animated series based on. This d game, and it's done in a style that is is very anime. The the animation itself looks very smooth and pretty and very clean. And I don't know, like I get that, you know, there's not a lot of gamers in this group in the sense of like tabletop DD gamers. I'm all for this. I'm really excited for this. This is a show that I'm going to make some time for. And, you know, I don't care if the rest of the panel goes around here and just like, oh, yeah, that looks kind of nice. I'm never going to watch it. I'm gonna watch the shit out of this show, and I'm gonna push it. Probably not as hard as I pushed Ted Lasso. Which, by the way, thank you, PC Tony, for finally watching Ted Lasso. Uh, and, and you know, someday Dave and Ray will watch it too. Um, TP, have you seen Ted Lasso? Did you watch? Yes,
7: thank you. Just finished you finish the second th- season there. Two- uh, just two nights ago.
2: We're going to kick Ray and Dave off of an episode of Bandwagon Nerds. We'll get you, me, and Tony, and we're just going to spend two hours talking about season one and two of Ted Lasso, unless these guys make the time to watch the show, because it was fucking, I love the show so much.
5: I'd like to play the role of Led Tasso on that show. Led (laughs) Tasso,
2: Gosh darn it! Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. You guys got to check it out, Ray, Dave. You you really do. But that's neither here nor there. Critical role. I I think this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It it looks like some harmless bit of animation, I, and for D and D gamers like myself, like it just speaks to my soul. Actually, probably more so than the last trailer we're going to talk about that came out of New York City Comic Con. Who wants to tell me how much they don't care about this show first? I'll I'll take a show of hands. Tony, go first. You win. I don't care. Thank you, Ray. Your
5: screen what I, what is I, blocking what out. But I, I love you, Pat. It's a, K. it's a K.
7: Yeah. All right. Hey, me D, and Big Kev, we were in the back listening to you talk about this trailer. And we just had to come out here and say, we don't care.
2: Thanks, TP.
1: Well done. <laughs> I, Dave, uh, can you tell me how much you don't care either? I didn't realize <laughs> what, the, what the premise of the show was until you just explained it to me. But because it's based on Dungeons & Dragons, that increased my interest. So it's like, oh, okay. It's based on D&D, critical, critical role. That makes sense.
3: It all makes right. sense now. So not K, it's O-K. Damn, just silence? I hate <laughs> you so much. Wow. I cannot stand you. <laughs> the ire that came through that. Look, I'm not going to take this shit for another 100 episodes, okay? I'm not going to do it. Is hey. DP, you want the tension is profound. The bandwagon nerds 100. This is Vicky Guerrero-esque doing. You want the job back, DP?
7: <laughs> I might have to. You're running <laughs> around the town here, sounds like. <laughs> He's
2: working his way to X Pac. heat. That's that's what's going on here right now. <laughs> shit, shit, <it's> so <laughs> Xbox! <X-Block>! Uh, <laughs> What do you guys know, you bastards? All right, fine.
5: Let's go Listen, to the. If you la- want to talk anime? You should have had the Balaz on this fucking show then.
2: We we the did we did talk the animation. <laughs> all right all right let's get to the last trailer which i know i'm gonna let dave talk about first because i'm assuming this is the one that you're talking about before we all go nutso over the final of the final trailer which didn't come out in new york comic-con so we got a clip uh, a very brief clip of amazon's upcoming wheel of time series and for those of you who who don't know we, the wheel of time is one massive fantasy series of books written by robert jordan finished by his son i do believe after robert jordan passed away or someone from his estate a family or some other ghostwriter who had to finish it because it's like 15 or 16 like massive novels like they're huge and it's this fantasy epic kind of in the sense like kind of the same thing like in doom like and you've heard me talk about how excited i am about the dune movie shit from like book 14 15 16 gets resolved that was originally started in book one. Like that's kind of the scope and nature of this thing. And it's, it's looking to fill a void left by game of Thrones. I hope that they, I, I hope that with a finished product, unlike game of Thrones, they'll be able to put a product together that will be more complete and feel more earned. But they, I mean, this clip showed you nothing. It was an introduction of a character and an, in Dave Talk to me about, well, we'll start with you. Talk to us about why you're excited for a Wheel of Time series on Amazon Prime. I've,
1: uh, I haven't i have read enough of it to really formulate an opinion, but my nephew sure has. And he is so excited about this series because he's read all the books. Um, he was even like, I, I sent him the clip. He says, yeah, I saw it. And he goes, I'm very interested because they've changed quite a few things. In that clip from the book, and that's right off the bat. The clip to me felt very much like the first Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, where they go to the inn in Brie and they had that interaction with everybody in there, and it really felt, it had that Lord of the Rings-esque feeling to me. So I'm immediately into it. I, I, I've heard nothing but very good things about the book, um, and, and I, I'm excited to see what Amazon Prime is going to do with this thing and whether they can... Give it justice. It is interesting, the timing of it, because I know there's a you, you mentioned Game of Thrones. We did get a, a a trailer to the prequel, at least a teaser for the Game of Thrones. What is the House of the Dragon? Is that what it's called? Um,
2: yeah, I, I I wish I could say I cared about this this show like <laughs> the last season just ruined it for you. No, it's just not the like of the Game of Thrones spinoffs that could be made. That's not the Game of Thrones spinoffs that I want. I want to follow Arya Stark and where she went. That's what I want to see. I don't care about the Targaryens. Yeah. I don't give me Arya Stark all day.
5: Patrick O'Dowd's question is: I want to know what's west of Westeros. Right.
1: That makes sense. There you go. It's but not, between, between this show and I know they're bringing a Lord of the Rings based show to Amazon Prime. What next year? I think something like that. So yeah, yeah Amazon Prime is definitely going to be very fantasy focused in twenty twenty two. Uh, but i i'm i'm very intrigued in this this is a show like you're saying you're going to make a uh, room in your schedule for critical role this is one i would definitely make room in my schedule for because i'm genuinely curious to see what this show is about what the series is about and, and just what they're going to introduce from a a series that by a lot of people's accounts is right up there with lord of the rings as far as like fantasy based fiction and and, and renown and and acclaim for it fan acclaim for it so yeah I I was very curious and very intrigued by this little bit that we got from it.
5: Tony, do you care? It seems like an interesting concept. It's something that's kind of new to me, along the same lines of a lot of other things. But uh, I I did watch what you sent to us. I did all of my homework this week. And uh, I think I'll actually give it a try, as long as you guys can remind me. Uh, when we get going here, because man, there's so much stuff going out, and we've talked about that. So it's
2: true.
1: We are, uh, I'll we are send you a reminder, Tony.
5: I appreciate it, Bestie.
2: Ray Cash, we know how much you love fantasy. You love fantasy shows as much as PC Tony and DPP love horror movies. Spot on, spot on. I think by the way, by the way, I have to ask, it. how's Flash Gordon? Did you
3: enjoy hey, it? Hey man, I've I've watched it five times. Five times, huh? Ah. Booker T style, five-time, five-time, five-time. There's a Fern um, cameo in Wheel of Time, Ray. Just... Oh, I'm in, baby. I'm in. <laughs> um, all jokes aside, everything you've explained to me, me and David talked about this ad nauseum. I'm in for the show. I am interested in what is coming. But as far as the clip that was sent to me, big ass came. I could have got, I wish I had my two my two minutes of my life back. Literally nothing happened. Like what was the point?
7: Like episode one of Star Wars.
2: What just happened there? Me? Wasn't me? Probably me. Hey, probably at least group. I didn't
3: get booed, right?
1: I thought for sure Tony was gonna play that K clip. That's what I was waiting for. I right, that's that's funny. what it was. I I don't know what happened
2: there. I'm I'm really sorry about that. Um I, I can't I...
7: Joe
2: Bonamassa. Hail. See, I just got ads popping up all over the place. What in the world is going on in the world today? I don't even have my internet browser up. That just was crazy. Happy 100th episode, everyone.
1: It's a title D-P- of the episode. St- Who's Joe Bonamassa?
2: No, DPP. Get it. Get us out of here. Save us. Tell us how you're not going to watch uh, Wheel of Time.
7: I'm actually going to watch Wheel of Time. Uh, really? Uh, what I watched in the trailer. I had the same thought of Dave there uh, with the Lord of the Rings. The first thing that came to my mind was Lord of the Rings there with that uh, whole bit where they're, you know, where they're in that in the inn, uh talking. It just gave me that Lord of the Rings vibe. Um, you know, I watched The Witcher. I love that. You know, I, I like these movies, you know, if they're done, you know, done correctly, even uh, kind of his dark materials, you know, sense too. like that. It's just that fantasy stuff is 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 fun. I like watching them. Um. somehow I, I did not watch Game of Thrones but I think that's because I didn't have HBO at the time and I didn't want to start watching five seasons in and I figured I'd go back and watch it um, but haven't yet so I'm, I'm a big fan of these I like watching them they can be if they're done right they're interesting they're fun you know a fun fantasy you know get out of your head shit um, so I'm in I'm gonna watch it
2: excellent I'm glad to hear that Gladys. I'm just I just don't understand how you can't be entertained by this, right?
4: An obscure body of the S
2: Here, let's skip ahead. I'm just gonna play flash Gordon shit for you now. There you go. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do it anymore. Oh, that's what that was? You know, of course I recognize that because I watched it five Absolutely, nine. right? You totally cool. understood exactly what was playing there. Just that's like you out. remember you remember stuff like this.
3: Like Shout out to Ming and the, the Tongue and Democrat.
2: Ming and the Tongue. I mean, come on, how can you not get excited? By by this music. Nothing.
3: It hurts I've, me. It hurts I've me. seen both Ted movies. Does that count for watching Flash Gordon? No, it, it absolutely did not. <laughs>
1: it, it
3: kinda does, a little bit. It does
1: not Thank it you, Dave. Not, not count. It does not count. He He knows who Sam Jones is, Pat. I mean, come on, you got to give him some credit and he parts his his hair in the middle. So come on.
2: There is that 100 episodes, 100 Patrick O'Dowd fuck ups on the recording. And here we go with the last trailer And, and Amazon, I think has been brilliant in getting people psyched for the boys because they've been really unique in their marketing with these youtube videos these 3 minute long 7 it's it's like the Vought news network um 7 by something 7 on music. 7 what is it 7 on 7 is that what it is? yeah
3: Seven Uh, news
2: items in seven minutes. It's Fox News. Fox News. Yeah, but that's what it is. It's it's not just Fox News. It's Tucker Carlson slash Sean Hannity all wrapped into one, doing these news bits, and it's this really clever way, in my opinion, of setting up the next season, season three of The Boys, which is I think is is on top for next year. It's another one of those like God, we got to wait till like March of next year to catch, but in terms of a marketing strategy, it's a, it's a trailer, but it's not. And I think that's really, really brilliant. And I think the first person I'm going to have comment on it is the guy who shared the latest iteration, the October one I'd seen some previous ones. Uh, but this was the October one. It was the newest one that's come out and I hope they keep doing this monthly, but Ray Cash, you shared the latest one. Talk to us about why you shared it and just what you saw and what got you excited for this little marketing point.
3: Well, of all the shows that, as far as I've been a part of the show, that I've cared about the most, The Boys is easily top two, top three. It is just a fun, fantastic debauchery of a show. And I'm very much looking forward to season three. But exactly what you said, like, I'm all for different stuff, right? So yeah, a trailer would be really cool, but this is better than the trailer because now you have an idea of the stories that are mattering or they care about, right? You know, uh, we've had three of these, I think we just now in this third one talked about the chick from the, the person from the, uh, the, who came out of the the prison. No, came out of the prison who got, who got away hitchhiker, Oh, the hitchhiker, hitchhiker, right? Yeah. So th- th- there's so many, and it, you know, there's so many. It's just it's setting up a perfect way for you to know what's gonna happen, and know what's gonna happen in a way that doesn't give anything away. It's almost, and it's also a, a big uh, talking point. Uh, no different, no different, or very similar to the commercials in One You knew it meant something, but we don't know what yet. But it made us talk about it, right? So that's really, really cool to me. And it lets me know I think the most important thing is VOT controls everything. Like, you know, like they had VOT eBay and you know, VOD VOD VBay, right? VBay, like what? Is you know, VOD book, not Facebook. Like everything is VOD. And I think that's really cool, but it also gives you a scope of the show because it helps you understand why every superhero in the world is contracted to VOD. You don't think about that type of stuff until they talk about it. But this show or this trailer makes you realize the scope of the show and what's happening. And we know there's gonna be some reckoning coming when Homelander comes back and goes, loses the shit. Soldier Boy is coming. All of this is happening, right? But this kind of sets that palette for you. It's almost like an appetizer saying, hey, the main that main entree is coming and it's gonna be fire. But enjoy this until it comes out. And I I love it. It gives you something to watch and enjoy. Uh, And kind of ingest before the show is brought back.
2: TP, what did you think? I know you watched The Boys too, right? You you were part of
3: those. Love
7: The Boys. Uh, You know, this is, and I think Ray hit it on the head, this is perfect way, as opposed to watching a trailer. Like, this is great in a sense to keep the stories going and make you start thinking about here's what we're, here's our top stories, here's what we're going into the next season, you know, here's all the hits that we're going to be talking about. It gets every you know, and if they keep kind of doing these in segments, like it keeps your peaks your it keeps your interest in the in in the show rather than just oh here's one trailer two minutes long. Okay, have fun. Uh, you know, you know kind of what's going on, where they're moving towards with everything, how stormfront is starting to, you know, people are rallying behind her a little bit to it that whole thing put together. And it I I don't know we don't know what's exactly gonna happen, right? But it seems like a shift. To more story driven stuff where like you watch the trailer for season two and it was just this giant disaster of them taking the boat and smashing it straight through the whale. Like you just knew, okay, season two is just going to be even more bloodier than the first season. This one looks like, okay, they might be doing more story stuff, more building this empire, a lot, maybe more political type of stuff. I don't know, but it seems like in a sense, a little bit of a shift in what they did in seasons one and two, where it was just, how can we up the ante of gore (laughs) in what we do, you know? So I'm really excited for it. I love this.
2: I nearly died. My kid was like, what's wrong with you? The little O'Dowd when the deep is pushing um, the water, which that's a real product, by the way, that is a real product. When I went and saw Alanis Morissette of a month or so ago, that was the brand of water they were selling at the venue. I can't even remember what the name of it was. It was like Mountain Devil Waters. Yeah, that's a real product. Like that the can he was holding was a real thing. But him like having them all gather plastic on the beach and then setting fire to it and like everybody breathing, like he's like, We're cleaning up the beach and yet like killing the air. And then the story about the baby dolphin and talking to replace the dolphin he fucking killed in season one. I ate that for breakfast. That was all that was outstanding work on their part. Tunny, what did you think of the news report? Um, and this marketing strategy that Amazon's taken on with the boys.
5: I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that this was going to be coming to us a, a little bit earlier, uh, than where we're actually going to get it, because I don't think you're going to get it till the end of spring. I mean, they haven't set a date, right? They just said 2022.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that I, we've seen it yet.
5: I, why not just plan bi-monthly updates until then you can, you know, I mean, if you weren't excited, you've ought to be excited now.
3: Uh, Can you uh, boo yourself? You boo yourself.
2: DP, I know you've been gone for a while, but this is kind of this new dynamic we've created on the on the show where the studio audience just like, you, even just, you just say, like, like, watch this. Say Ray Cash real
7: quick. Ray Cash. Real quick. Okay.
2: I thought that was funny too.
7: Wow, the crowd just does not make it.
2: It's almost as if you have to click different crowd reactions or something um to get him to laugh at puns. Look at it, look he's he's pouting. Like last week I think I got him to get up out of his chair and walk. I'm real close.
3: I'm real close.
5: Oh come if on, gra- Ray. You know if he you. grabs his pillow, you're in trouble.
3: So there that's, you only go. About, that's only when my two dads are fighting. <laughs>
2: Um, Dave, did you get a comment on this at all? I don't Did we leave you out? Could you talk too much? Yeah, you left oh. me out. Of course. That's all right. Uh, I've been drinking. I'm sorry. That's, what? No, that, that, that's, I, that's
1: why it's such good content because you need to drink more. Um, I, make yeah, me drunk them home. Yeah. Every time that I watch these vignettes and that's really what they are, it, it, it makes me want to take a shower right after I watch it. Cause I just feel grimy from the, the, this spin on this thing. But, yeah, the things that stood out on this one is, okay, so we thought Stormfront was probably alive. We got confirmation of that she's alive, and not only is she alive, there's now our undercurrent of sympathy for this piece of shit out there who has now got people, we want to know her whereabouts, and, and they're not divulging that. And we demand action, which, you know, this the boys has always been, and as it was going on, it was echoing what was actually happening, happening in our real society, and we commented on that on that show. And now these vignettes continue that narrative. Um, I also, I didn't realize that. I don't know if we talked about it before. So we know that Huey is now Victoria's right-hand man. And I think, I'm not sure that that was, that certainly wasn't disclosed at the end of season two. Now we know that that's what's going on. And this Vought News Network is all up in arms about, you know, how she, Huey Huey is uh, Victoria's lapdog, essentially. And just, you know outing soups and and calling them out on their bullshit everywhere you can go. So I found that part fascinating, but yeah, the deep is um <laughs> still the odd man out on this whole thing. Star, um Starlight has gone back to her old outfit. That was very interesting as well. So, yeah, while it's it is brilliant marketing. I absolutely agree with you 1000%. It's brilliant and brilliant marketing, but there's a lot of information to be gleaned from these little vignettes that you can you can parse out and say, OK, that's cool. I didn't realize that we still haven't gotten any updates on Billy on the butcher yet as to anything going on with him or on Kimiko and um, the guy that she was with. I forget his name. So you figure they're going to integrate that at some point in time. But, yeah, it's it's fantastic marketing and just a way to really amp up your anticipation for season three.
2: Exactly. I'm very, very excited for, for this. It's a show. Um ranks right up there in terms of like some of the comic book shows that we're catching ranks right up there with the Invincible on the Amazon and the Amazon family of just great, great comic book content. And this is why I think I have a lot of faith in them in the wheel of time series, by the way, because it seems like Amazon gives the, the, the showrunners a lot of freedom to really build a show. That's, that's going to both be unique and true to its source material because the boys in particular has done it very, has been very adept in taking because the boys isn't older it isn't old like isn't like it's not like super old but like it's it's updating the content to our times and making it relevant to the world around us and what's going on in the country around us and i think that's been one of the strengths of the show and and in these vignettes it's it's bringing that through as well okay we're gonna head into our second commercial break and when we come back It's going to be our Dave and I's interview with Omar Spahi, content creator, one of the up and comers, and and maybe even a guy who's already arrived. Uh, We talk about all kinds of things in this interview, everything from his experience and growth to projects he's worked on, to projects he's working on in the future, to the roles of fans and how they've influenced content. Just a lot of really, really great stuff. So. Um, that interview is coming next when we come back from our commercial break. Now, before we go to our recorded commercials, it is my duty. Gentlemen, I'm going to share this announcement every day, every show until I actually, um, can bring it to fruition to the show. I bought the bandwagon nerds shirt, the official bandwagon Nerds shirt. And you know where I got that shirt? Dave, do you know where I got that shirt? Hot topic? No, I didn't get it. Hot topic. Great. You know where I got that shirt?
3: walmart
2: walmart no i did not get it at walmart Tony, what about you where did i get that shirt
3: hot topic
2: no hot topic i I just said no to hot topic but okay
5: oh 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 how about um did you get it at farm and fleet
2: i did farm and fleet now that is some midwest shit right there well done dp i where i where do you think i got the shirt because i didn't get it at farm and fleet i didn't get it at hot topic i didn't get it at walmart
7: Well, I haven't seen it out there, so it might have been The Gap, because I never go to The Gap.
2: Oh, God, maybe Baby Gap, but no, I did not get it at The Gap. I got it at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash The the Chair Shot, which is the only only place that you can go to to get exclusive ChairShot.com shirts. We have... Tons of shirts to choose from over there at the chairshot.com store on prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Everything from the OG chair shot logo to shows like bandwagon nerds, where i got mine to a winner is you i think that's still up there there might even be a plat balaz presidential shirt still available at pro forward slash the chair shot tony saying no big x hashtag journalism is definitely there though as is everyone hates greg we work really hard to put out quality content for you every single day. This show's dropping on a holiday, people. And yeah, it's our 100th episode, but it's dropping on Indigenous Peoples Day, y'all. And we do that for you. We drop a show every day of the week because we love you, our listeners, and we want to give you quality content. And the best way you can help us give you that quality content is to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in a shirt. They cost $19.99 for your standard style. Or if you want to feel something soft and fancy on your giblets, spend a few dollars more and get it soft style. Again, that is ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot as one, Mr. Christopher Platt would say, please and thank you. Thank you and please. When we come back, Dave and I's interview with content creator Omar Spahi, you are listening to, uh, to the Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Hey,
6: This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, TheChairShop.com.
1: All right, folks, welcome back from the break. It is time for the main event of episode number 100 of the Bandwagon Nerds podcast. We have on episode 100 a very, very, very special guest. We are thrilled to have him here for the 100th episode of the show. Omar Spahi, who is a content creator, comics writer, podcaster, upstanding citizen, you name it, he's done it all, folks. Omar, how are you doing here today?
8: I'm super excited. Uh, Congratulations to you guys for making it to 100 episodes. That's insane. You guys, I'm honored to be here and I'm excited for you guys. Uh, That's quite the journey.
1: Yeah, I think Patrick would have lost some money on on this 100 episode batch. <laughs> I, I did not think we were going to make it. I w- I was not sure. That,
2: and if you ever go back and listen to our archives, um it's it's touch and go. Early <laughs> early it was really touch and go, but I think we did a great job finding just kind of finding our niche and what we wanted to do and yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited, Omar as I was just looking through uh your career so far uh and, and following along with your podcast and seeing just who you've had the opportunity to interview I couldn't be happier to have you uh,
8: on this show that is i'm thrilled Yeah, Thanks, it's uh, the feelings mutual excited to be here and excited to uh, talk comics movies everything in between
1: uh, Absolutely, and I guess you know We have to start everything. I mean every good story has an origin story So I think we should just start off there with you omar. How did you get into comics and and? And just this industry that that you have you know prospered in comics and and all the content you've created, but you obviously started with a love of comics somewhere. So how did that take hold?
8: So you know it goes back to the going back to the way beginning. I would my mom would uh, would go to Barnes and Nobles and pick up books. I don't even think it was Barnes and Nobles. I forget what the name of the store was. It was uh, Borders. Borders was uh, oh yeah. uh, just aging me a little bit borders uh and i wanted to get a comic book there one time and my mom said no and so the store clerk was like the kid's reading you should buy it for him and she goes okay and as a kid i picked up one issue of the flash and i reread that cover to cover probably 20 times and as a kid you have to wait 30 days for the next comic to come out so i went back to borders and 30 days as a kid it feels like forever So you get there and finally get the next issue, and it's, you know, 167, 168, and, you know, I wait another month, get the third issue, and and all of a sudden during this process, I start to really get into it, pick up other series, pick up, you know, Green Lantern, pick up Batman, and from there, I start learning about comic book stores, and that's where I got uh, introduced to Heidi Hill Comics in Santa Monica.
1: Feeling uh, feeling a DC vibe here, Patrick. I know that's that's going to thrill you. It was, it was so funny because I was listening to the, the Frank Gogol
2: episode that you just put out on your podcast, Omar, uh, and he was talking about Marvel and Spider-Man uh, and it's kind of like DC and Marvel and how they have like license to just sort of like know that the content they put out are, is what people are going to purchase. I was a Spider-Man kid and I, uh, I you know, was one of those consumers for a really long time that if it had Spider-Man on the cover – in any way, shape, or form in name, I was gonna pick it up. And I tell this story all the time. Dave, do you remember what the very first comic that my grandmother bought me at a grocery store back in 1984?
1: Yes. Was? She wisely decided to get you Craven's Last Hunt as your very first <laughs> introduction <laughs> That's to the not industry. Her comic, yeah. The
2: the final the final issue where Craven finishes himself off, no less. And and that was that was the first comic book I, I remember per like that was purchased for me and it was crazy because I I parents and I think you can speak to this. They were very much like, this is kid stuff. And that, that book by itself opened my, my eyes up to a world of not only is this something that can be exciting and fun, but that it can also tell heavy stories too. And that, that was, that was the beginning. So, but yeah, I was, I was, I'm a Marvel guy all the
8: way. Um,
2: I and catch was, a lot of guys too. I
8: mean, if anything, the movies and everything have made me love Marvel so much more. And I, growing up, I still read Craven's last thought. I still read the, the you know best <laughs> works for Stanley. You know, I had the honor of, of having lunch with Stanley one on one. So that was that was really cool.
2: I'm so I'm so jealous of that. I'm jealous. <laughs>
8: that's <laughs> that's
2: amazing. That's outstanding.
8: I, um, uh, I was 20, 22, 23 years old, and we had the same attorney. So he set up the lunch. He was there with us. So it wasn't one-on-one. We had him, Gil, my attorney, and me. And Stan's going on and on about all the projects he has post-Marvel and everything. You know, Stan Lee's Magnificent Seven and this and that. And I have all my comic books I'm working on. He goes, hey, what are we working on together? And I was a 22-year-old kid. And I was like, I don't know. I'll think about it. Let's figure it out. And nothing came of it. um, But it was, like, you know, something that I get to live with and cherish forever. You know, for me, he's... A big reason I do what I do is because of what Stan did and and uh, the journey he's taken, and you know even we had lunch probably he was ninety one ninety two, and in his in his later years we're out at the restaurant and I remember, I go to uh, go to order and I'm you know a young kid just barely twenty one I was like I'm I'm having lunch with nine olds I'll have a coke. Scribe uh Stanley goes, I'll have a screwdriver, he'll have a screwdriver, he'll have a screwdriver. <laughs> and at 90, 91, Stan still have this has this zest for life that just reminded me to always be yourself and, and you know, don't apologize. Even at 91, he he showed his personality just with a drink order.
2: So you you mentioned writing. How what made you what, what prompted you to take that plunge and take that that risk to really put yourself out there and get started? as a writer because you you have a profile on image comics like uh, look, <laughs> look up there you are i i can see you know getting it together is right here in front of me and like like your whole your whole podcast a lot of what i read is you know talking to other artists about the process of building a comic right you know writing what what was your process how did you what what prompted you to take the plunge and how did how did you how did that work for you?
8: You know, I was I didn't even know people made comic books. I was so naive. I just loved comic books, and I was like, they just appear magically. Uh, <laughs> and so it was. I was at the counter in in uh, Marina del Rey, and they had uh, a friend of mine who was there, who was a waiter there. He started talking to me about this creator and that creator and this creator, and I was like, wait, you you care about the creators? Wait, people make these and from then on i was like oh i can make something too and from that point on it was just this fire that started like in my soul and i just that home went home that night and wrote a full 22 page script i outlined it and i just you know carved it out and you know i have been doing it ever since
1: that's great i mean that that's an amazing story as to how it all comes together uh you've got a lot of things going on all the time. It seems looking at your profile and looking at Twitter and your social media, but what do you have going on currently? Like what's, what's in the hopper for Omar spahi Uh, what, what can we expect down the pike? Not to give away every, anything super secretive, but just kind of curious what we can expect from you in the upcoming weeks, months.
8: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, jumping on a plane to France, uh, after tomorrow, um, and all of a sudden we're going to be going, uh, to, to MIPCOM, which is one of the biggest uh, animation and film festivals in the world uh, to sell animated content. So, we, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be uh, on Code 8, which was the number one movie on Netflix. And we're going to MIPCOM in order to start to understand how, you know, I think we all have dreams of making shows and making movies, but this is really the marketplace where things come together is MIPCOM and kids Screen in the kids space. Those are the the main two and Anisee's up there as well. Um, but there's just very few places you can go to get something made. I've always, for the past, tw- like, you know, I don't want to say 20 years, but it's pretty close to 20 years. It's been 13, 14 years that I've been at New York Comic-Con, and this is the first year that I'm not going to New York Comic-Con. I'm going to Mipcom instead because it's my career path and my trajectory I want to change from being just the comic book guy to really focus on animation, and that's that's the journey, and uh, I'm really excited because it's been quite a bit so far.
2: Now, now you mentioned Code Eight, which you were the executive producer. uh, At least that's the credit I see next to your name, which sounds like the guy who does everything. Um, (laughs) And and had the had the privilege to work with not one but two Mls, both Robbie and Steven are 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 stars in that. Um, But based on what you said there, are you saying that there's going to be something coming from Code Eight that you're going to be turning into, or that you're looking to turn into a series? Or am I reading too much into that?
8: So Code Eight, the sequel's already been announced. They're filming it. right now um just in about a month or so they're going to get started on that um they're they're heavy in in prep right now and then for um my goal is to really you know i just had a daughter recently uh, during the pandemic congratulations thank you and uh my goal is to make kids content i love kids content all the way from pre-k all the way to 6 to 11 that's really where i think my calling is and and uh so I'm transitioning from just because I love the creative process. I love making comic books. It's like if I could just do that every day, I would do that. And I love the process of making animation and making shows and talking about little details and, and figuring stuff out where other people, it drives them crazy. For me, it ignites this fire. And, and I, I love to talk about what hair it is and why the hair should be pink instead of red or, or whatever the little details are. You know, to me, that that gets me excited and really gives me a lot of passion about what I do.
1: You talk about animation. So I wanted to ask you, uh, animation seems to be really kind of carving out a much larger footprint lately than it has been in the past. You look at series like what if, um, DC's animation has been phenomenal for over a decade now. Um, and you're heavily involved with that. How do you see the industry evolving as far as animation is concerned and where it can, it can create maybe even a larger audience or reach a larger audience?
8: i mean i am i'm astounded with how much animation i watch as an adult and i know so many people around me who watch animation and there's just such great content and people want good stories regardless of if it's animated or not kids more on the other hand only want animated content for the most part like they there's a lot of like you know kids shows that at a certain age they go listen if it's not a cartoon i'm not watching it um but for me like it's it's been it's been a journey to figure out how to create animation because it can be rather expensive. It can be rather uh, laborsome. You have so many details, so many moving parts. Um, and you know, it's just about assembling that team and figuring out, hey, who's who's writing this one? Who's am I writing this one? Is someone else writing this one? What's the greater concept? Okay, who's who's the production team? Who's where we recording the audio? Um, you know, let's go through the looks, who are our partners, making sure because most most stuff doesn't come out of a vacuum it's not one person's vision going hey listen we're going to do this show let's go it's usually a lot of different countries coming in and doing co-productions and and you know going hey listen we're, we have to make sure that we hit this note and that note because in our culture that's really important um so it's about uh, being collaborative being open and making sure to you know pick your battles very carefully and know which ones you're willing to uh to put your foot down and other ones you have to you know say hey listen you you guys are right let's do it your way
2: yeah, I, uh, I I sit there. You're talking. You were talking about content for your daughter, and I'm thinking about my son. He's nine years old. Uh, and by the way, big Flash fan. Uh, and, and so I don't know where I don't know where I went wrong there, but yeah, uh, <laughs> he went he, right. Uh,
8: that's good. Flash is one of my all-time favorites. He
2: he. Yeah, and I think that that's just a character that it, it does speak to people on a lot of levels. Uh, one of our other hosts on the show, um, uh, PC Tunney, he he talks about. How it's like this beautiful embodiment of love, and that he's he's just terrific. Um, but you, you talked about sort of building a series, and you know all these different angles. What you've worked on Big Ten before as a writer, or Ben Ten, not Big Ten, Ben Ten before uh, previously as a writer. You worked on Sonic Prime. Um, when when trying to like pull that content, how 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 does that creative process work to find like that that message is going to resonate with with children um like where where does that well come from
8: you know i I think number one it's you know for both those shows there were writer's rooms and we talked about it and and it's through this collaborative process we've worked with the amazing people at man of action and, and they're amazing at what they do and so from there it's that collaborative process of going hey how about this how about that and usually you know man of action has done this over like a million times at this point. I, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but probably not. by <laughs> much. And so they go, great, this is what this episode is. Let's go and do it. And they kind of go and they say, hey, this is what it is you do. Uh, you know, there's a process to writing. So usually it's can be anywhere from idea to outline or beat sheet um, to, you know, after an outline, you do first draft, uh, second draft, polish and, and revisions along the way. So it's, it's a it's a big process to go step by step for for everything and you know you just have to go okay this is I'm playing with someone else's toys so to speak if it's Ben Ten or, or or whatnot and you have to be really respectful and say hey listen there's lines that you might have really fun ideas but they can't cross and the same is true with Marvel and DC you know having you know Cena goes firsthand he's like hey Marvel won't let me do what I want to do with this does and the other you, but you have that's kind of the creative process you have to be willing to just say, Hey, cool. What can we do? What
1: can't we do? And, uh, and run with that. You, uh, mentioned earlier how, uh, the MCU kind of opened your eye. Well, I mean, I'm sure you already were a Marvel fan, but it made you a bigger Marvel fan. Um, and DC's kind of doing their own thing, but I kind of want to ask you a general question about the comics industry as a whole, cause you're obviously heavily involved with that. Um, how, how have you seen the industry evolve since the MCU basically caught fire because I know before the MCU came out, the comics industry was in a bit of trouble. Um, It has seemed to have a resurgence over the years that kind of is paralleling what's going on with the movies. Um, How do you see the industry as far as the stability of the industry right now? And where do you see things going in the next few years? Honestly, I
8: feel like it's a, it's a very difficult question for me because I'm, I'm so enamored with comics and, and, you know, I feel like my, my opinion is heavily biased because since you go back to, you can go back to you know, the 70s and look at the Superman movie. You can go back um, and, and really start that as really the, the beginning. You can see uh, when Stan and Avi sold the rights to, to Spider Man and the X Men to create the animated shows. All of that has played into the, uh, the building of these franchises, building these characters in meaningful ways. And now you're seeing it even more with shows like Sweet Tooth, Why the Last Man, uh, Watchmen you've seen so many of these shows come from comic books. And I think that more and more of our content is coming from comic books. Um, So I do believe that comic books are here to stay. I know the numbers have been through the pandemic, they've gone up up, and through the roof for so many creators and so many publishers. I'm, I'm very close with a lot of publishers. And I think that it's the place to go for premium content. Before it gets turned into a TV or movie, you know, people always go, "I oh, want, I have a screenplay. I'm going to do a comic book," but it's you have to kind of do a comic book because you want to do a comic book, and then see if it has the trajectory to make it.
2: You talked about how well the industry is doing, uh, particularly with the pandemic. How have you seen the ad? Because I was a, and I don't know about, I know Dave is a million years older than me. Um, you talked about uh, picking up comic books, um, you know, at the at the brick and mortar stores. I, I've always loved like the pla- like getting my comics, the plastic bags. how has digital media impacted the industry in in your view, just in sort in terms of like you know we've got comicsology now, uh, Amazon, I think does works through comicsology as well and, and just there's all these other like sort of medias. Do you see the end of print comics coming?
8: you know i I just asked this question on Twitter the other day, and I said, how do you read comics digitally or in print? and i probably had three four hundred responses and from that i want to say it's 50 50. half the people are print only no way digital all the way forget about print um so print is very much alive and well there's still a lot of demand for print but digital is still a factor too and i think that there's people out there who want to read digitally and they're going to find a way to read it digitally whether it's comicsology or on whatever app they have or, or or whatnot um, but I think you know there's people who you know back Kickstarter's and only want the digital option because there's a lot of people who listen. If you're a comic book collector, you know this. Space is limited in houses. You're not you can have a, a whole room dedicated to comics, and you feel like that whole room. Comic boxes aren't pretty to look at. They're like you the stuff. The artwork in the comics <laughs> is is gorgeous, but like when you get to the other stuff, it can become a burden. So. It's it's uh, I think print is definitely here to stay, and I think the value of comics are here to stay, but I think digital is also very much alive and well as well.
1: To kind of tag on to what you and Patrick are talking about with this, the industry has just exploded during the pandemic, and obviously people have more downtime and were locked down and had to read a lot more, but you also talked about all these streaming shows that have been comic-centric, basically and and they've been doing it remarkably well you look at shows like the boys umbrella academy lock and key you know the witcher which is kind of more video game based but you know people have been interested in the stuff for decades why do you think it has caught fire over like the last five six ten years where you know like this show where a show like this which is based on nerd culture can prosper uh why do you think that it has become in the forefront that everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon, so to speak, and get this content out there that is based on some of these remarkable stories.
8: You know, I think people want to see, I think people want to invest in success. You you always want to take something that you know and you love, and if you're going to translate it or champion that project, you want to know and love the source material. And I think, you know, when you add that visual element to comics, I think it makes it so much stronger for people. People really connect with the emotions of the character because you can read their expressions. So there's that face language. There's that language you only get by being on a face to face where you can see what that process is. And I think that's really powerful to create it. I think they're the future. I think in anything, to create an IP is incredibly challenging. But once you have that IP, to service that IP and continue to have it grow is also incredibly challenging. You know, it's not Steamboat Willie came out for, for Disney and that was their first comic book and or that first their first animation. And they serviced the mouse for generations so they can continuously use him and, and reinvent him and make him better. Um, and that's what, what the journey is.
2: So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna shift gears almost entirely here and, and ask a question we've got we know that there's a lot of projects and things that are coming up out there you know whether it be streaming series that are that are debuting um what is one upcoming project that somebody else is producing that you're excited to see on a screen yeah
8: i'm glad you said that someone else is producing because that that kind of narrows it down for me a little bit. right I mean, yeah there's so much that um is coming out right now that I'm just like beyond excited for. You know, I I have friends who are working on uh, Doom Patrol, what if, and they've done, Doom Patrol has been phenomenal. What if has been phenomenal, you know? And I think I'm excited to see more of that, to see the expanded expanded version of those and, and see how they continue to grow. Like there is so much that I'm a fan of right now. And I feel really in a weird way, super blessed because I don't feel like I'm craving content at all. Like, I feel like I have old content if I want to go back and watch old Star Trek that I have never seen, Deep Space Nine, uh, you know, I just finished The Next Generation. So I always have old content to go back to, but I still have always new content with What If, uh, Walking Dead, you name it, and you still have so much great stuff to follow up on and follow into.
2: I love that you mentioned doom patrol and what if both shows that we review on, on this podcast every week, uh, mm-hmm. our, as, part of our, uh, as part of our weekly rundown. So perfect, perfect timing and, and perfect selections.
1: And I'm glad you mentioned doom patrol because, uh, you know, you've worked at image. So I want to ask you about an image property and see if you think that this one will ever be brought to streaming or something like that. I'm a huge fan of saga which makes Doom Patrol look relatively tame as far as insanity goes. Do you ever see them a chance that they might bring that to a, a streaming platform?
8: 1000% it's coming. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you it's, yes. it's such a big hit in the comic book space that there's no way that it doesn't go. And I don't know if Brandon and Fiona own the rights right now, or if they've optioned them or what the situation is, but look at why the last man, why the last man came out, you know, I want to say in the early 2000s, is that right? And yes. it's taken twenty years for the show to come out on FX. We've had it We've heard casting rumors for a long time, same with hundred bullets. We've heard so much that's come out with it. And, but why the Last Man is actually here? It's taken 20 years, and it's freaking awesome and uh, it's one of my favorite comic book series of all times, and to see it kind of come out is is really it's surreal for me because it's so
1: cool. I just want to see he, Lion Cat. For real, I, I mean, I think <laughs> I can see the Lion Cat plushies and stuff selling better than Grogu. I mean, it's going to be great. It's
8: going to be awesome, and it's a huge franchise. With uh, Brian Kayvon is a genius, so it's, yes. uh, he's 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 going to do absolutely phenomenal with it. And who knows when that comes out? You know, why Last Man is also Brian Kayvon, so hopefully, this this shows us success, and, and Saga will come out right after. You know, it's it's only a matter of time when people sense really successful comic books because of what the walking dead has done um people are willing to take that risk on it whether it's netflix uh hulu or you name it they're willing to throw the the you know roll the dice at it because they know they have an innate fan base you know you look at what invincible has done invincible was phenomenal for being a show that's you know based on a comic book that was out 20 years ago same thing it's It takes that long for stuff to come out. It's just kind of the nature of what we do. And the true fans are here for it. And they go, oh, my God, this is amazing. And the people who are who are new to it, uh, they learn it from from that experience for the first time. And that's also so awesome. And and hopefully it continues to grow and blossom into a much cooler thing. You,
2: you know what uh, property I want to see get a second chance? Um, honest, Tank Girl. Tank yeah. Girl had a, mo- had a movie uh, with Lori Petty. That is a cult classic, but I think could find a very nice home on a, on a streaming service somewhere. And that's that's like my personal like, God, I wish that would come back. I had a, I had a professor who was obsessed with that comic, made us all read it for a, for a heroism class um, and how it just challenged, challenged all these different sort of ideas of what a hero was. And yes, make that a series. Somebody,
8: some streamers, <laughs> please pick this up. I think I think uh, everything that's old will become new again. And even it's about who champions the rights and who goes after them. You know, going to licensing conventions and went to a licensing show with me and my partner this year, you realize that there's some amazing classics where the rights are available and you go, how did that get another TV show? Or how did you see that again? It's about people going after the rights. Uh, David Walker came on my show and talked about how he broke into comics and he said, hey, I wanted to do a shaft comic book. So I went out of my way to go find out who owns the rights to Shaft. And he went and he went to the first people. They said, no, we don't want to talk to them. We talk to them. And finally, he got in front of the people who have the rights to Shaft. And that's how he was able to get his first break into comic story. And since then, it's just been one thing after another for him uh, and doing Bitterroot, which is awesome. But that's the, 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 pro- the process there is you have to go and knock on doors and see what's available and also see if you can get things like Tank Girl. Um, because that's how stuff gets made. That's like the, the cool stuff.
1: Yeah. Speaking of uh, your show, the, the, the podcast, why don't you talk about that for a minute? What, where, how did you get the idea for the podcast and, and, and the general gist of it, uh, as to what you're doing, where you're talking to many different creators about the process, like you mentioned earlier, the process of creating comics. Um, so let, let people listening know about the show where they can find it and, and just the general idea of it.
8: Yeah, uh, Dreamer Comics is something I came up with because I was curious to share the journey for other comic book creators. I really wanted to champion my friends, uh, my other industry professionals, and really uh, get them to tell their stories and what makes their comic book come out. What you know, I wanted the no BS answers for hey, what's going to make a comic book successful? What's your process like when it comes to creative? And uh, I, you know, there's so many people out there who. I would go to new york comic con i'd go to san diego comic con who would come and hand me their script or come and hand me the thing hey this is a comic book i have how do i make it how do i do it and it became inundated that i went hey there's there's actually a massive demand for this people love comics and people also don't know the process and they want to learn about it and that's where the show kind of came from and, and now we're looking we're staring on the barrel of 200 episodes so it's it's really mind-blowing it's really really humbling to see the journey the show has taken and, uh, and uh you know, to be able to interview everyone we've interviewed.
2: Dave, Dave, do you mind if I ask Omar the the most important question that we ask everybody who comes
1: on to Bandwagon Nerds? Only if he's going to allow it. You bet. Well, Go for,
2: first, well, first of all, Omar, I have to know, like, um, do you care for Star Wars? Are you a Star Wars
3: fan?
8: Yeah, you know, I, I am a Star Wars fan. Don't, don't get me wrong, I definitely have my qualms with some of them but uh i i am a huge star wars fan it is
2: good that you mentioned qualms sir so better film the rise of skywalker or the last jedi
8: um you know it's it's hard because Mm -hmm. uh the rise of skywalker to me had a lot of it felt more like Star Wars. So if you're going purely from a feeling point, it felt like you know bringing in the holocrons on I was a massive fan of the books growing up. Holocrons were only ever in books. You'd never seen it before on screen. And for me, that was a big yes moment. The The weird love story between uh, Rey and Kylo didn't feel right to me. Uh, the ending with Palpatine coming out of left field didn't feel right to me. Uh, but I do think totally feeling wise it felt better to me than the last jedi the last jedi was really uh funny and charming but it took away from the star wars feeling that i had before um so from that like i think you know ryan johnson's an incredibly talented director but i think you know i i i feel like i wasted 45 minutes of that movie following finn accomplish nothing right. um you know, and I feel like that to me was a big letdown. And I was like, this isn't a Star Wars movie. Like where's, there was, there was no growth. No, there was, it didn't, it felt like there was a lot missing from, from both of them, honestly. So if I had to choose one, I'd probably go Rise of Skywalker. Oh, <laughs>
1: my man.
8: <laughs>
1: oh, it's, no. it's been a running um, debate for a year, Omar, uh, over a year <laughs> now as, as to, as this it, thing, it. but you know, you mentioned Star Wars, uh, Let me because we talk streaming shows and things like that. The Mandalorian. What are your thoughts on that series, Uh, especially the way season two ended with the whole Luke Skywalker's back, at least for a little while moment of of the year sort of thing?
3: It it
8: was amazing. I mean, being a fan of these franchises and these characters for so long, you're like you want to you. You crave that you crave that connection to the other franchises you know and like listen if you are going to say in 20 years from now that the mandalorian is going to appear in another franchise and have the same effect i believe you some kids are going to grow up with baby yoda and the mandalorian and they're going to pop on screen and go oh my god i can't believe they used him and luke skywalker was like our guy he was our hero he's the hero's archetype he's joseph campbell's the hero's journey embodied um so i i I think it's so awesome to see them him come back And i think that whole show is John Favreau is a genius, and I think that whole thing is is executed immaculately. I,
2: I think this is kind of the last question for me uh, as as I as I think about this. But you, we talk a lot about fans and fandom. Uh, how do you see that now influencing a lot of these properties and, and sort of the creative directions for things? Like, and I think about like I, I think about this a lot with the Abrams Star Wars trilogy, and when he like one of the first advertisements that he did when we were getting ready for the force awakens was very much this like i'm i am a fan just like you he, and very much showing this like respect and reverence for the original trilogy that a lot of folks didn't feel within the those prequels so i i kind of go back and forth on that I, I see a lot of attention and service to fans that i i think is a little bit different than what i saw in like the 80s when when these Pieces when when a lot of these works were first being created. Sorry, can you repeat that one more time? I... So it's really really about how has how has Phantom and like these followings like and you see it with like you know with Star Wars or with Harry Potter or uh, heck even Twilight Marvel DC. How do you see their their reactions playing into some of these these creative processes and these films that are being made now and, and how I, I see them being stakeholders in these properties as much as any writer or director. Um, And I was just kind of wanting to get your take on on how fans have, have kind of evolved into being uh, as much a part of, of filmmaking as, as the filmmakers.
8: It's really tough because I think nobody sets out to make something bad. No one ever goes out and goes, Hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to tear this up. I'm going to destroy this franchise. No one ever does (laughs) that. They want to champion something they want to do it in the right way. And, it you know, there's so many different people involved through any production. So you have to have that one person who's going to say, this is whose story it is. You know, here's the protagonist. Here's the journey for it. And the fans really are, they're the ones who decide if it's worth talking about and worth being about. You know, if you love something, you're going to champion it to your friends. You know, we saw, we see it's happening right now. With Squid Game, we've seen it happen. With Game of Thrones, we've seen it happen with The Walking Dead, and the proof is in the fandom. If the fandom comes together, that's it. You have a a franchise, you have a hit, um, and people respond to it and they love it. And if you you're not able to connect with people, the word of mouth doesn't happen. It doesn't it doesn't come together. It doesn't make something. Uh, it doesn't make. And impact culturally and if someone may really like it and someone may really love it but you'll also have those people who don't like it and don't love it and if you don't have that people coming together the franchise is not going to be as strong as something else so it's important always to service the fans and try to get something that's going to connect with people as much as possible
1: well, I know we could talk to you for another hour, but I know you got better things to do or more important. I'll say more important things to do. So I want to close off asking you this because we've discussed this on the show many, many times. And you mentioned the MCU earlier, and we've talked about DC. I just want to get your overall thoughts. How do you feel about the MCU? Where it's going right now with this ever expanding universe, that gets bigger every week. And then DC's approach has been a little bit different. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on on the MCU and, and where DC is right now, and and how you're feeling about that. Listen,
8: I am a DC fanboy. I love DC. I can't watch the movies. Um, they're they're <laughs> they're really, you know, I feel like you're you're missing a lot of the souls of the characters and what they're doing. Like Superman, and you look at the original, like Man of Steel. He lets his dad die. You're like, you know, these characters are supposed to be these superheroes and if you're superman you're not gonna let your dad die to prove a point like it's not it just didn't sit well to me they're trying to be something they're not dark and brooding and and this and that and they're so far deep into it that the whole thing is just a mess to me now the only way in my eyes they could like redeem this is they go hey listen they were the crime syndicate all along they're not superman wonder woman but they're actually Ultraman, and they're all the evil versions of themselves because it just seems like the character's none of them particularly seem likable to me with the exception of maybe wonder woman
1: um and i don't mean to cut you off but with what you just said right there do you see them going flashpoint paradox with the flash movie to kind of try and do what you're talking about
8: yeah i think they need to i think it's it's hard because they you look at it honestly and you go hey listen is this going to be uh We need a reset. We need we need a change of direction. Like sure, Aquaman made a billion dollars. Sure, Wonder Woman has its success, the first one and and whatnot. But listen, it's you need to have content that people are gonna gravitate towards, and they have to start thinking about the kids. They have to start thinking about all ages content, not to be so uh, violent and dark and brooding and and. You know focus on who the characters are I feel like they lost a lot of the soul of the characters through these movies well Marvel has hit it directly on they have the right amount of seriousness they have the right amount of tone and you know they've Marvel has done a phenomenal job they've if I was a kid growing up right now I think we'd all agree that there's no better time to have content in for comic books like it just doesn't exist these movies have been exactly what any kid would imagine and, and hope for and every single movie holds up to this day I don't think there's a single movie where I was like huh eh. You know that one should be erased from from continuity. There's not a single one where, and that's astounding. You look at you look at DC and it's like two out of every three should be erased from continuity. And you look at any, you look at you know Tom Cruise and had to try to do it with the Mummy. You know, and he he said, hey, listen, we're gonna have we're gonna take the Universal Monster series and do do the same thing Marvel's doing. And the first one bombed. And it's not easy to make a good movie, but Marvel has the formula and they do it. Every single time, which is really, 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 really commendable, and that's to me the biggest thing is they've found a formula, they work with it, and and make it ha- make it happen every single time.
1: Is it casting that, is- that they get right? Is it no? Casting?
8: I, you know I really feel like it's storytelling. I really feel like that's it for me because like, casting you can cast the the same person right two or three different times. The, the casting's super important too, but I think it's storytelling at least for me it's the storytelling it's making sure that the formula works and making sure that you have this uh this journey following the three act structures that you can go and do with every single marvel movie and that's why they're all feel predictable they all have their humor about them they all have their seriousness about them and they all work so you know which dc movie to me hits those points that you
2: talked about and dave knows exactly which movie i'm going to bring up i love shazam so much because that movie was fun to watch and was every bit the superhero movie that I felt like a lot of those lighter Marvel flicks were like everything you just described that with Zachary
8: Levy all the way through. I love Shazam. Shazam was so much fun. I think they, they did a great job with Shazam, but you're like, it's so hard because you, you were like, Oh great. They're going to bring in this universe and that universe and this character and that character. And I think they're, you know the the in the comic books the crossover, like you said, was so cool. When Spider Man's gonna be in a comic book, I would like be like, I'm gonna pick that up. The Flash is in this issue of of Superman. Why are they racing? Oh, who's gonna win? Like that part of it was so cool. But if you're dealing with crossovers and the other characters don't work, if Superman shows up at the lunch table at the end and you're like, oh, I don't like Superman, it kind of. <laughs> it gives you a different feeling than, Oh my gosh, it's captain America. Like it's my, my, my friend, like, you know, so I, uh, I think Shazam was fantastic, but I think the whole universe needs to be revised and and fixed.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and Patrick knows I'm I'm like you, Omar, I'm predominantly, well, I wouldn't say predominantly, but you know, maybe 55, 45 DC versus Marvel, but I feel the same way you do. And, and and I don't want to keep going on, but I'm just curious about this thought. Marvel really didn't have anything to compare to. Iron Man was a new IP basic or new property um, in for movies, at least. Captain America tried to been done, but not really. Uh, Batman and Superman, who are the cornerstones of DC, have been done and redone and done iconically. You know, Christopher Reeves Superman, you're not going to top that. Uh, Michael Keaton's Batman or even Christian Bale's. Lots of stuff to to really fail by comparison. Do you think that that had something to do with DC's problems?
3: absolutely
8: and i'll tell you why i think christian bale's batman was a huge success it was phenomenal they did a great job they asked hard-hitting uh emotional questions you know about sanity about uh fear about you know you look into you know purpose and they executed those so perfectly so perfectly that dc was like great more of this this is what works people want to see more of this style but wonder woman's not that type of character superman's not that type of character that's batman And then work for that Batman with the right visionary behind it. And it didn't work. It doesn't work for the whole line. It doesn't work for Justice League. Justice League, it should be a ray of hope, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like ragtag group of misfits. And I'm like, no, Justice League is gods coming together to save the world. So, you know, I think for me, I I hope that they're able to just, you know, start anew and you know, really look forward. the 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 best part about DC right now is their TV shows have been fantastic and their animation has been bar none, so so fun to watch, so fun. Every single one has been great. Um, so they're doing a lot right, but in terms of their big scope, I'm worried that in the long run, people are still just there because their kids don't know what's bad and good. Like they'll watch whatever and go, oh, cool, Batman. But adults are the taste makers in that re- regard, and it's important to try to get it right, and I think uh, DC has to go back to the drawing board, sadly. Yeah, I love the
1: crime syndicate idea. <laughs> that would be awesome if they pulled yeah. that out of their hat. Um, <laughs> hey, Omar, look, I, you know, Patrick, you got anything else? I, I was going to let our friend go here. No, no. I,
2: I'm just so appreciative that you were able to give us a little bit of your time uh, for this, uh, for our 100th episode. It's It was so great to be able to pick your brain today, to, to just get some... some Insight from somebody who knows um and has been a part of the industry and is just getting started, really, in the scope of, of your career. Like, I, I, there's just nothing but big things for you. And um I'm honored, and I think David too, that we we were able to get you on the show and to talk to us today. So, thank you very, very
8: much. The honor is all mine, guys, and, and congratulations, seriously, on 100 episode. That's that's really something to uh, to look forward to, and I look forward to getting to a thousand next. So.
1: Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And Omar, before we let you go, please let people know where can they follow you as far as social media, for Twitter, for any of the projects you've got going on for the, the podcast. Uh, please share that with our listeners.
8: Yeah. If people want to check me on Twitter, I'm pretty easy. I'm at Omar Spahi. You can't miss me. Uh, I'm I'm just me on Twitter and uh, I love interacting with people and, and try to you know stay around comic books and, and focus on their culture stuff.
1: Well, thank you so much, sir. I, we greatly appreciate you being our guest of honor here on episode 100, wish you nothing but the best safe travels to Europe. And, uh, we will be talking to you very soon.
8: Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Patrick. Great being here.
1: Guys, I got to tell you, I had a lot of fun doing that interview and
2: Dave deserves all the credit on this one. Dave is the one who took the lead on getting Omar onto the show big thank you to omar uh spahi by the way for doing the interview for for taking the time to talk to us uh, about a couple things but i i don't know about you dave but it was just it was so much fun to talk to somebody who you know he has an imdb profile has had dinner with stan lee like like this dude is 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 well connected and on the rise in the business and and we got to we got to have up on our show for for our 100th episode and I, I was just thrilled that you were able to get
1: him. I got to give a lot of credit to one PC Tunny for this interview because Tunny yeah. actually got his email like a year ago, but then the pandemic started and we kind of went in a different direction. And and you know, it, it actually worked out for the best to delay reaching out to him because yeah, I mean, reaching out last March would have probably not been the best of ideas. And a year later he's done a lot more stuff, but yeah, so thank you Tunny for reaching out to him I actually was in bandwagon nerds the other day on the Twitter profile, reading the, the DM conversation. I was like, Oh wow. Okay. There it is. Uh, so that was very cool that he followed us a long time ago. And, um, but yeah, a great interview. Omar is just, he's dialed in with everything, you know, has written for image comics. I mean, said the things that he should have said, like rise of Skywalker was superior to last Jedi, that kind of stuff. So uh, uh, you know, that he's uh, a he's a little bit more of a DC guy. Than, myself. <laughs> he's a little bit more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. But his take on the DC movies, I thought was was sorry. He, he was spot on on that. Omar
2: spy. Where he um, I'm not booing Omar spy. I'm I'm booing Dave's support of Omar's not congruent opinions with mine. <laughs>
1: but his um, his take on the DC stuff was echoing a lot of ours. That it just. He he has some issues with how DC has portrayed a lot of the characters, the darker stuff that it doesn't resonate with what he envisions the DC product should be. Uh, I think 90% of that I would agree with. Absolutely. So uh, I thought it was a fantastic interview. The be- One of the best parts for me was where he confirmed they're going to turn saga into a streaming series at some point in time. So I am absolutely excited about that. I can't wait to see the sales of the lying lion cat plushy toys those are going to be magnificent. So it's a great interview. I also we should also point out make sure you're checking out Omar's podcast, uh Dreamer Comics yes. podcast cuz he I mean it is a fascinating ride every week to listen to him talk to people about the the process, the creative process of creating comics and bringing those to reality to fruition. It's a great podcast, a really good listen. Make sure you're checking that out and everything else he's got going on. But yeah, a huge shout out and thanks to Omar Spahi for taking the time out to come on the show. I mean, we could have talked to him for an hour and a half easy. We just had to cut it off out of respect for him.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and we're we're gonna have this on the show. Obviously, it's gonna it's gonna be the, you know, it's the it's it's the interview you just heard. We're also going to release it as its own pod at some point as well. I've talked to Greg, uh, looking at just having that interview as it as its own little segment uh, for folks to listen to. So more to come on that and and putting that out there. Uh, But yeah, just just a terrific way to have a a final segment for our 100th episode is mayonnaise an instrument want to go jelly fishing what am i supposed to do all day while you're at school
5: can
3: i use your bathroom who's your friend what does claustrophobic mean (laughs) you know what the problem
2: is (laughs) okay patrick O'Dowd actually has two questions Question number one, Tony, what the hell happened in your Packer game that set you and DP, like, raising your hands up in the air as I'm watching you both, like, flip out in football?
5: Uh, 57-yard field goal with 26 seconds left. Uh, doinks off the right up rate for the Bengals, so now the Packers have the ball with no timeouts, 21 seconds left, and at least we have the potential of overtime. But no one really cares about that. This is Bandwagon Nerds 100, and OMG, it's fucking been a great show.
2: Well, and that's a nice segue, because here we are at 100 episodes in. I, I announced this before we started recording. This is the first time in a long time that I have brought back the scotch. I admitted that I've been drinking. I brought back the scotch just for today. This is actually a special bottle that I bought, a Belvini American a Toast to the American Oak Cask uh, special edition scotch that they have for sale. It's a 12-year-old. thought it was worth cracking open for today good things are clearly happening for the green Bay Packers. My question to all of you is less of a question is just more of an opportunity uh, for some reflection. So everybody on this show has been a part of multiple episodes of bandwagon nerds. And so really my question for you guys is, you know, we're a hundred episodes in what have been some highlights for you or just what have you either liked um or or enjoy doing on on this podcast um and, and i'll start with we'll start with dp i'm gonna pick on you first um as a special guest and i want to thank you again for coming on the show and you know i will i will be honest like i you're you're missed you really are missed on the show we loved we loved when you were when you were a regular um, and so it's really great to have you back on the show, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on you to to reflect on one hundred episodes of bandwagon nerds first.
7: I'll start by congratulating since I haven't yet, but congratulations on the hundred episodes. Uh it was, I was here for a handful. Uh, it's definitely a lot of fun. I think for me what I've liked the most honestly is the movie reviews. I loved that we got to start doing that. Um, I still read your guys's reviews of the movies. Uh, you did a couple of my favorites, uh, recently with Howard, the duck, uh, loved that one and flight of the navigator, which is uh, the Dillonators favorite of all time. And it's very excited about the remake that's coming out here. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for you guys to do the wizard. Um, you know, that'd be a good one. <laughs> I love the glove. That's right. It's so bad. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, just talking about that, I loved, you know, with reviewing, um, you know, TV shows, uh, even though for the most part I like to binge watch them uh, the few times <laughs> I was on when we when we would do them. I, I did force myself to only watch one at a time so I could stay in line with you guys, especially with the boys. I think we did that with season one uh, together. Right. So that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, those are really cool. I, I love doing that stuff because it's great to just be able to listen or watch shows and then talk about them and break it down. And that's, that's a lot of fun. I love that we did that talking comic books. I know big Dave's big fan of the comic books. And we would break down, you know, some of the the different ones to read that got me into a lot of different ones that I haven't read before that I got to start reading a little bit more to get dive deeper into, you know, Iron Man and um, a couple of the Batman series going back and and reading like court of owls and stuff like that, which was like just really cool stuff. Um, Just, I mean, all around because you know i'm a big nerd Uh, that's why i was part of the show and that's why i enjoy listening to the show and and everything because i love every single bit of things that we talked about uh and that guy you guys continue to talk about so it's it's pretty cool to just all around but that's so that's a couple of my favorite moments from when i was on and from what i continue to read and listen to you guys uh as you've reached 100 episodes
2: awesome All right, we're going to go in order of number of shows co-hosting. So, Ray Cash, you are next
3: on the list. Tanya's been on longer than me? Yes. Man. Um, So, first and foremost, foremost, let me say. It's not even close, dude. (laughs) hey, Hey, let me say congratulations to myself for being a part of 100 episodes that I wasn't a part of. But that the ones I was a part of were fantastic because of me. So congratulations to me. And only, no, I'm joking. Dave Patrick. You're going to boo me. I'm going to give you a reason. You did that to yourself, sir. Yeah, you're going to boo me. I'm going to give you a reason. All jokes aside. aside, I've been doing content creation since 2010 in some form or fashion. I've worked for some uh, or written or podcasted for some pretty cool, in some decently sized sites. I've never in my life seen a show like this. And Patrick and Dave, what you guys have created in DP, you were originally a part of it, too. Um, but what you guys have built and what you guys have grown and, 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 and made into something that is big enough to reach 100 episodes is mind boggling. You know, the consistency of what you guys have done, the number of projects you guys have taken on uh something that's something i've enjoyed uh, are the projects we've had like the the um the villain project and things like that that's really been cool for me um really make me kind of keep my nerd brain going uh but to to have a wrestling site and to say nah screw it, we're gonna do something on wrestling and that the gumption in the balls to have that and to stick with it despite whatever i'm sure you guys had to deal with because i've my God, I've had so many shows and columns and things in my own right. I know what it is. It's amazing to me. And the fact that you guys aren't sick of each other yet, you still love doing this, you still love showing up to work every Wednesday at, i am not Wednesday, I'm sorry, every Sunday at 1 o'clock on the dot, no questions asked. It's amazing to me and I want to make sure that people understand that y'all get the full product on Monday when we put the show out. But the work that comes into it the work that it takes to bring up, the, to, to create a rundown, the work that it takes to edit these damn shows, the work that it takes to care enough about this product so much that you go and out of your way to watch all this shit we watch. And yeah, we, we love it. But like a lot of it, sometimes I know this shit I've watched. I would never have watched if it wasn't for the show. Mandalorian being a major one. I would have never watched it if it wasn't for this show. And now that's one of the favorite shows I've ever watched in my life. So I want to thank you guys for taking a chance on me because you did not have to bring me on. And I'm truly thankful for that. I wanna thank you guys for giving me a place that this part of my fandom and my mind could have something to kind of expand it and and and, and kind of bring that part of my mind out. I wanna thank y'all for that. And I wanna thank y'all for just being you guys 100% on the show, outside of the show, 100 episodes in in TV. If you reach 100 episodes, that means you can go on syndication and live forever. And I feel like this now that we reached 100 episodes, bandwagon nerds will live forever. No, that's cliche, but I feel that way whether I was on the show or not. I li- this is the one show a week, and I'm a part of a thousand of them that I look forward to. And that's because of you guys. That's because of the show and the, and the culture that this show has bred. So truly from the bottom of my heart, from Rance, thank you. Thank you. Have you faced her?
5: No.
2: No, don't, no, don't, don't get comfy.
7: Go grab your pillow. And grab he's your out. Pillow. I was sad. man. I guess I really half-assed my fucking congratulations. Jesus, man.
2: Uh, yeah. He's he's grabbing his pillow. Tony, it's your turn. Some reflections on your time as a part of the bandwagon.
5: The lists. I love the lists. I I love the interaction we have on the list, regardless of the topic, regardless of the, the genre. I just truly enjoy that. I, I think the back and forth we have there and the gumption we have to get in there and defend our picks is just an awesome thing on this show. I, I just love what, I mean, and you know what, you and Dave are the ones that, uh, that are the bearers of this show together. And you guys do a great job. And I, I can, You know, I, you guys are so consistent and trustworthy and, 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 and not just with the process, but with the delivery of content, like you guys are on top of everything and it's amazing and it's awesome. And I truly told you the, the, uh, the reason I want to be on the show every week is because I want to listen to it, but the time I have is now. So I want to be here live and I love it. And I don't rearrange my life for a lot of things. Uh, golf is one of them. Well, I rearrange golf to make sure that I'm on this show Definitely. almost every single week. And um, I want to congratulate you guys for creating something that's fucking awesome. Because anytime I bring up Shot Radio Network to people, it's one of the first shows I talk to them about and say, give this a listen because there's something there that you're going to like and, and the personalities are awesome. So I wish you more success in the future. This is just the beginning and you guys are just catching your groove. And, and it's amazing to be here and be a part of. And uh, if you're listening, tell someone about this show because they're going to like
2: it. Thank you. Dave, oh. you've done more shows than anybody, True. actually, <laughs> out of
1: all of you, you have done the most. What you missed Two? Two? Maybe. Maybe two? I, I just want to know like a hundred episodes, race talk and syndication. Are we getting paid now, Pat? Is is that what I heard? Is that,
2: is that I, I heard it? the checks in the mail. All right. Sweet. I've gotten <laughs> lost in the mail.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, this show has been so great and, and I gotta shout out to all you guys. Shout out to DP for being around for the early days of the show and, and uh I still remember that video game project that was rekindled my love of video games a lot because we talked about such classics that it just made me want to get back into that i, I, I mean shout out to tunny of course for just being there and being you, you know kind of a, a a somebody i could go back and fall back on and some of the more technical editorial stuff as well as just the content that we've done tunny's been a rock for this whole thing and of course ray all bullshitting aside man you you've filled a big gap when 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 DP had to go on and do other things and and you didn't have to do that and just your love your nerddom your knowledge has been a massive addition to the show especially the back half from 50 to 100 definitely from 50 to 100 has been immeasurable your your contribution to the show and of course got to give a shout out to the main man Patrick I mean we 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 mess around with each other on the show a lot and we act you know like we're antagonists but I really look at us more of like different sides of the same coin. You know, we're talking about the same thing, but just a little different perspective here and there. And it's been a great ride, a great journey. Um, I'm a lot like, like what Ray said, the shows, the, the show reviews, because I wasn't watching that much TV or streaming until we started reviewing these shows. And you guys opened up my eyes to like this tremendous world of, of entertainment that's out there. And I mean, I was very, you know, very critical of what was out there, you know, before I really started taking a look at it. I thought, like you guys were saying earlier, oh, it's all derivative. It's just a bunch of rehashes. There's no creativity, there's no originality. And you start watching these streaming shows, and maybe that still counts for Hollywood, with the exception of the MCU and that sort of thing. But you watch these shows. Um, there's nothing derivative really about the boys or about Umbrella Academy or about Lock and Key other than the only derivative part is they grabbed them from graphic novels and just adapted those. But you guys have really made me tune into this great world of of content that's actually out there that I had no idea. So even, you know, I mean, funny thing is bandwagon nerds. Remember, Patrick, we struggled with the name of this show for weeks before we actually just threw out like the, before the first episode, it was like, ah, let's try bandwagon nerds. My wife still hates the name of the show, but it's stuck for a hundred episodes because it actually is appropriate. You know, we and to have a hundred episodes with just twenty-two hardcore listeners for this whole time—that's yeah. that's a real testament to the longevity and the staying power. Of the, I know Tony. I mean I see it, I see the numbers it it's a joke more than 22 listeners I,
2: I never I've never once asked for the actual listenership on this show because frankly I don't care um in the sense that I don't I, like if we're speaking to any audience and that that brings people you know a couple hours to three hours to sometimes four hours of entertainment uh then we've done our job and you know I think that for me when when I look back at these hundred episodes, if you'd have told me back when I did a one-off interview with Dave and Rick uh, about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that that would one, turn into a show that it would two, turn into a show that I would host and that would endure and, and, you know, and use the word I, I use the word endure that, you know, we're coming up on two years worth of shows that we're that we have evolved that we've that we found some different niches that's and that I'd be able to talk about something that I'm passionate about with other people who are just as passionate as I am for you know 100 episodes I, I would have never believed it and so if you're a listener whether you're a listener from day one to a, a listener 100 i i think for me it starts there in terms of the thank yous because with without you all you know and we joke the 22 of you however many of you that are out there thank you um because it, it just it, it validates so much uh, of what we do and, and we can't we wouldn't be able to keep doing this content without all of you for me I've loved the list shows. I love, you know, being able to share things that I'm excited about, even things I'm not so excited about to be able to talk about these things on a, on a weekly basis with everyone. I've loved some of the interviews and opportunities that we've had to do. I still think back to a couple of the interviews we did in the early stages of the show, like Morgan from Sony, uh, Jim Ryan, who uh, talked to us about music uh, to, just going through and doing these projects and these lists and these drafts. By the way, I've already got it in my head. Episode 125, book it if you're available. Villain Cabal draft coming your way on the bandwagon. So think about your villains and who you want to draft, and we'll see who all will jump on board. However, um, I got to thank so many people here uh, I think you know we'll start with everybody that's in on this zoom call uh, every one of you brings something special whether you're you know guest hosting or have been a regular you know give Ray. I give you such a hard time Ray I love what you bring to the show I love that you're I, I love your passion I love your passion outside of this show I love watching this group in the bandwagon nerds chat try to outscoop each other on news items to then talk about on the show and Ray being the night owl that he is posting shit at like three in the morning because he he's up and has it Tony, your, your television acumen and just the shows that you'll recommend. I I can't keep up with, with what you keep up with. You know, I'm glad I got you to watch Ted Lasso. Like I really am because you watch so much that I'm like, man, I really think you'd like this show. And then, you know, you finally got it. I was like, that's a win uh and, and that we've been able to do that DP, I, was, I i loved when you were on the show i was sad to see you go and i understood why Um, uh, you know you, you had to move on and i talked about it a little bit before you brought something so different uh from what everybody else did because you know video games are, are every bar, every bit a part of this culture, and that's you know something that you were very big on. You know the gaming, you you knew what was going on in the gaming industry way more than any of any any other one of us does. And, and I think you know I, as I as I sit here and think about you know the next few shows, I I want you back to do games, to do gaming episodes at some point, even if it's just like what's going on and what's happening or or where we go next, because there's there's a lot happening, and as the technology changes and improves. And, and you know, and I still don't have an Oculus, but I've heard it's pretty cool. Of um, <laughs> the
7: index, just get the valve index, get the valve index.
2: Uh, Watch and so <laughs> I, I could imagine. I'll stop. Um, and, and you know, he gives me a hard time, he left and right. Um, but Greg DeMarco, uh, you know, it was great to have him on the show it's it's great that he's he's a lot and I know he's my best friend so part of it is you know whatever my best friend lets me have a have a show where I get to talk about everyone but I know that Greg and Tony both have been champions for the show and are really the guys that that make chairshot radio uh or you know made chairshot radio run and gave us the opportunity to platform and allowed us to keep the platform and have given us good feedback like I've gotten DMs from both of them at different times about things to keep and things to not keep and I just appreciate so much that we've been able to do this and keep this going. I appreciate anybody who's done any level of of stint on this show. And, and I, I do have to shout out Christopher Platt as well. You know, we send up the Platt signal as an extra guest. He'll, he'll come on most times. And I even had him as a part of this call if he was available to jump on. If he wanted to jump on, we would have let him on. I would have let him on and I would have let him talk. Because he's been just as much a part of the show as anybody else. And so, Platt, I don't know if you're even going to hear this show, if you're even going to listen to this show. But if you do, thank you for being willing to jump in and be that extra guy when we needed that extra guy. So, yeah, let, let's raise our glasses one last time to 100 episodes. Here's to 100 more and hopefully beyond. Uh, to Bandwagon Nerds, thank you, everyone, for listening. That's going to do it this week. I'm going to take a drink. And then we're going to start with DPP to tell everybody where they can find you out there in the universe, Mister Scientist.
7: Well, you can find me all over the worldwide social media interwebs at it's me DPP, and make sure you're following the DWI podcast, the podcast DWI, and Facebook.com/slash DWI podcast. And just a shout out to what you mentioned that there's a lot of gaming stuff going on right now. Um, There is a lot of games, so if you are a gamer. Metroid Dread, I just picked up and been playing it all weekend. is phenomenal for the Switch. Make sure you get that one. Just picked up Far Cry 6 as well. So far, so good as well in that one. Psychonauts 2, for those that have been waiting for the sequel, it's well worth the wait. Pick that one up. And all your sports fans too. NBA 2K22, I thought very much improved from 21. And FIFA 22 as well just came out. So it's a, it's a good time to be a video game fan. I'll tell you that for sure.
2: Excellent. Thank you. I will get Far Cry six in
3: 2027. <laughs> Ray Cash. I'm not it's not about me. It's not about me today or this week. So I'm not gonna give my Twitter. I'm gonna say follow us at bandwagon nerds.
2: Excellent. Very good. PC Tunny. It's all about me
5: all the time. And you can follow me at PC Tunny. So Ray, you fucking missed the boat, but this <laughs> is a phenomenal <laughs> this is a phenomenal show. Uh and and I just I personally can't miss it, and, and I don't even risk the half the shit on my own radio network. So, uh, generally, though, you can find me watching a soul-sucking Packer game.
2: <laughs> Excellent.
1: And David Ongar. Soul-sucking. You should try having the uh, Washington football team's defense this year. It's ridiculous. But you can find me on Twitter at AttitudeAg, that is at AttitudeAgg, and on Facebook.com. Slash attitude of aggression, and yeah, congratulations! And of course, at bandwagon nerds, and congratulations to all of us, everybody here, and Christopher Platt, Greg DeMarco, everybody involved. 100 episodes, man,
2: exactly. And you can follow me at Wrestling Realist, that is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. Uh, once again, follow the show. At Bandwagon Nerds, and all this week hashtag BWN100. Very very proud of what we've been able to put out there for all of you. Thank you for listening to this first 100 shows. Let's hope that there are plenty more in your future. Listen, spread the word, share this. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com
3: the chair shot.com always use your head
7: These were a real news team. Burgundy, of course, was the foundation, the rock. But each member brought their own special something to the equation.
3: People call me the Bry Man. I'm the stylish one of the group. I know what you're asking yourself, and the answer is yes. I have a nickname for my penis. It's called the Octagon. But I also nickname my testes. My left one is James Westfall, and my right one is Dr. Kenneth Noisewater. You ladies play your cards right, you just might get to meet the whole gang.
5: Back booth there at Charlie Laser's every Friday night. Champ here, I'm all about having fun. You know, get a couple of cocktails in me, start a fire in someone's kitchen, maybe go to SeaWorld, take my pants off. Anyway, I become kind of famous for my signature catchphrase,
3: whammy, as in gene tennis at the plate.
2: I'm Rick Tamlin. People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. I like to eat ice cream and I really enjoy a nice pair of slacks. Years later, a doctor will tell me that I have an IQ of 48.